Good evening. This lecture would be Berfuat Chaim Shalom Ben Nechama. And uh, also, Also, Leilui Nishmat Mordechai Ben Simcha, Omer Ben Yael, Refua Shlema. I guess that's it. We are now less than 24 hours before Yom Adin Agadol Vanora, Yom Kippur. Finalizing the 10 days of Aseret Yemet Shuva from tomorrow evening around 6 p.m. until the following day around 8 p.m. More or less. And uh, I have a feeling that this year is going to be very hectic, very risky. I want to remind you Shnat Shemitah and the history shows that Shnat Shemitah has a lot of judgment in it. So if the last two years there were not Shemitah yet, they were so hectic and so critical and so many people died and so many tragedies one after the other, a lot of collapses a building collapsed yesterday in Hulon. Remember the building collapsed in Florida? A whole building collapsed, became powder. The difference between Florida and Hulon, Florida, it collapsed in the middle of the night when people were sleeping and they died. About a hundred and something died. In Israel, one, one boy called up the authorities because he saw a crack in the building. That was a few hours before. And a person from the fire department came and he said, everybody has to evacuate immediately the building. Then they didn't, did not give them enough time. They just were, they said, only if you have critical medicine, go quickly, take them and leave. They all came out and then less than an hour later, the whole building collapsed. Who knows how many people would die? Probably more than 200 people. 300, 400 will all die. Imagine a tragedy like this a day before Yom Kippur, hundreds of death, building collapsing in Israel. So here you see, even with the judgment, Hashem has His mercy. It's a horrible punishment, horrible, that you live in a building and the building collapse, or even in a house, that your house get burned, or collapse, or hurricane comes and knock it out, knock it down. What's the biggest problem? You may come and say, ah, there's insurance, they may even make money. Maybe the insurance, maybe they don't like the house anyway, they will rebuild it the way they like. That's baloney, that's nonsense. 
Do you know what it means to lose every personal item you have? Your passports, your wedding pictures, your children picture, your parents, your art. Everybody with what he likes. In one minute, all your clothes, all your, your jewelry, I mean, things that you put so much time to get. And one second, it's all get wiped out and there's nothing left. Documents, birth certificates, credit cards, don't know where to start. Take you a year just to try to get back everything you lost and probably most of the things you don't even get back. That's similar to die a sudden death. Similar. A person has plans, he's in the middle of a big project, boom, in the middle of driving, gets a heart attack or going to sleep and now waking up in the morning. Just when he was busy with 500 different things, developing, doing, middle of something, a soul comes out of the body, a person realizes that he's actually dead. It takes a few seconds to understand what's happening. Sees the body on the floor. He sees himself lying in a room. He's trying to pick up the phone and dial 911, but there's no, no physic. You don't have any skin, nothing. So you grab on empty, goes on empty. You cannot dial 911. Some people that died and came back to life, they all say the same thing. You feel very bad for yourself, especially later you see the wife, the children, everybody scream and cry, and there's nothing you can do about it. In one second, you lose everything you have. And on top of that, on top of all of that, now you, if, if you religious, and you went to some Torah classes, on top of all of that, you know what's waiting for you now. A serious trial. But it's not a regular trial that you can take a corrupted liar lawyer that will lie to the judge and to the jury and maybe get you away with that. Or that the prosecutor wants to get a conviction so you will make you a deal. Or if you tell about the other two murderers that actually killed with you together, they'll let you go. Because you're the witness against the other two. Over there, you don't have this baloney over there. Over there, it's all clear, crystal clear. Every thought, every word, every step, everything. Everything by Hashem is persist. Every judge in this world, as honest as he may be, will never be able to judge a fair judgment, ever. The most honest judge in a court, even in Beddin, in rabbinical Beddin, a big tzaddik, Gdolador, take the Gdolador, put Rav Sternbuch, the Bide Dayan, put Rav Eliashif, put Rav Uvadia, put anyone you want. They'll never be able to make 100% precise judgment. Never. Most of the cases in court, in bed din, it's settlement. Also in secular court. The judge say, go to the room, sit for two hours, reach an agreement. Don't make me rule. And the judge realize which one of the two is more stubborn. 
and it's threatening him. You don't want me to rule, so I suggest that you should go and reach a settlement. Get him scared. Why? He doesn't want headache. Ruling can be appealed, people can complain, it's not fair. It's very hard, very hard to, to make fair judgment, very hard. So Rabotai, the only one who can make a fair judgment is Hashem. Because he knows all the details. Every factor, how you were raised, what school you went to, how much your parents abused you, how much your teacher abused you, how society treated you, what's your IQ, what's your level of intelligence, who you used to be in your past life, your reincarnation, what's your purpose of life. Like the Ramchal said in the beginning of Mesilat Yisharim, שיתברר לו לאדם מה חובתו בעולמו. ורמחל say in the beginning of the first chapter of Mesilat Yisharim, which, which I made a famous series about the whole book, first page in the beginning, he says the Ramchal, the most important thing that a human being in his life, that he will finally understand clearly what is purpose on earth. Not the purpose of all humankind. We know the general purpose, we all know it. We have to keep mitzvot. We have to keep the commandments, right? We have some obligations. We have to shut the phone before the lecture that it doesn't ring. All these things that we know what we have to do. And then, and then general, general purpose, we, we read in the Torah. You have to keep Shabbat. Everybody has to keep Shabbat. You have to be honest. Everybody has to be honest. You have to eat kosher. Everybody has to eat kosher. It's not a unique purpose for me or for him or for her. It's an obligation of all people. So the general purpose can be taught in school. Or you read the Torah with Rashi, you begin to understand all the meaning of the verses. You know we are in a test, you know that Hashem may get very angry at us, you know that Hashem wiped out the wicked people in past generations with no mercy. You know, you saw what was their end. You learn a lot from the Torah. But there's one unique thing that you cannot learn from the Torah but yourself. You have to know what's your purpose in life. There are two Jews right here, one and two. They don't have the same exact purpose. One's purpose is to be a rich guy and to give tons of money and to support yeshivot. And the other one, is, his purpose is to be Rav Chaim Kanievsky. That's his purpose. He has to be Gdolador. He got the brain for it. He got the atmosphere for it. Everything else will not be tolerated. If will be a little bit less, he fell. Oh. How does a person know? It's a good question. That's one of the hardest things in life, to know what's your exact purpose. So in the holy books they say, the things that are the most difficult for you, that's what you came to the world to correct. What's the hardest for you? Some people have big mouth. They can control their mouth. That's their main purpose. Control your mouth. Not everybody has to hear your opinion every second. Learn to be quiet. 
To be quiet is one of the hardest things in life. Who can bring me a proof from the, from the Torah that Hashem appreciates very much someone that has a desire to talk and he overcomes that desire, he gets a huge reward for it. For being quiet, just from not talking. Lot, Lot, perfect. Lot, the nephew of Avraham Avinu, he made two big mitzvot in his life. Two good deeds. One was that the, the guests came to his house and the people of Sodom, the San Francisco people, all joined together. And they came and they want to take the men that came to his house, send them out that we can rape them. That's what really happened there. So Lord say, take me, take my daughters, leave my guests alone. It was against the law to have guests to begin with. Horrible place, this lot, this uh, storm. So he's willing to die for strangers. They just show up in his house. Such hospitality. As one thing, you're very good host. You come to a house of a Persian or Bukharian. They're going to stuff you from morning to night, nonstop, every two minutes. Eat, eat, no, no, please, no, eat, no. Ah, you're insulting us. Should we go get you something else? What, you don't like this? I'll get you this, I have this. All day you basically try to push them away, not to choke you with food. Why? You don't eat, they really get insulted. That's the mentality, Middle Eastern mentality. Even you go to an Arab terrorist, and you walk into his house, he's going to feed you, give you a good uh, thing and coffee for dessert with some baklawa, and on the way out, will slaughter you after you ate good. You know, like the ducks, the goose, they give them a lot of food with the, with the, with the horse, stuff them, the, the, the stomach, becomes uh, three or ten times more bigger than what it's supposed to be. Then they kill them and people pay a lot of money for this goose liver. This is, by the way, Tsar Ba'alechaim. It's a sin from, from the Torah, what they do. But for money, many people are religious until money gets involved. Once money comes in, they have a new God. Eloe, Achesef, Azav. It's actually written a few times in the Torah not to make yourself a god from gold and silver. But it's very interesting. One time he talks about idols, like the idols of the Goim in India, in Tibet, in all these places, China, they make with expensive gold and silver, very expensive idols. If you melt it, you have tons of gold, you can make millions. Not allowed to use it, of course, because it was used for Avodah also, if they bring all kinds of jewelry as a gift to their foolish god, you know, that's jewel, this jewelry also cannot be used. Tikrovet avodah zara, it's called. The AC doesn't work, by the way, just hot fan. So, the idea over here that Lot was willing to die for the guest 
not knowing who they are. So I said, it's one thing you want to have a great hospitality and take care of the guests, which is very nice of you. But where does it say that you have to die for strangers who knocked on your door and say, can you give us some food? Or can we, le can we rest in your house? Of course you can rest in my house. But if the police come or the cartel, the Mexican cartel with machine guns come looking for you and they say, send them out, if not we'll kill you and your whole family. What am I supposed to die for you? Why you come to hide here when you know they come to kill you? You're jeopardizing ourselves. Lord did not say to them, look what you did to me. You brought me this problem now to my house. Now I have a problem with these people of my town. That's not what he said. He said to the people, leave them alone, kill me instead, take me. Take my daughters, wow. If you ask a normal religious person today, we give you two options. One is you give us your daughter that they can do to her what they want to do. Or we'll shoot you. One of the two. We'll shoot you in the head. You'll die or you sacrifice your daughter to this monster. It will be very hard for me to believe that some people would actually give their daughters to them knowing what's going to happen next. Most normal people would rather die and, and release the girl. That's an instinct of a parent. Even by animals is like that. When the tigers come or the coyote, coyotes, they come to attack the certain animals, or monkeys or whatever, you see how the mother fight and protect the babies until she dies for them. It's by all animals like that. It's a, it's a natural instinct. So it's something very unbelievable that Lot actually agreed to die or to sacrifice his daughter for some Arabs who walk by. He doesn't even know who they are. How do you know? As far as, as, far as I'm concerned, maybe they're murderers. You know? It's a very big thing. What reward he got for it? Nothing. Almost nothing. Then he did something else that was very good. When Abraham and Lot, uh, you know, Abraham, uh, Lot followed Abraham and they stand in front of Paro now. And Abraham is a very rich man. And Lot came to, with Abraham to the journey just for one reason. What was the whole reason? Why does he need to follow his uncle? He knows if Abraham will die, he has to be there to claim all the property. There's millions and millions and, and, and camels and cows and thousands of sheep and servants. Abraham owns all of that. All his wealth walk with him. There's no banks, wires, safes, none of these things that we have today. People had to carry their, way, their, their wealth. If you move from one place to another, you take it with you. Gold, silver, jewelry, diamonds. That's it. Animals. Lord came to protect his assets, and now Abraham is lying to Paro, saying that Sarah is his sister. All Lord has to do is to say one word, excuse me, you meant wife. That's it. Excuse me, uncle, you meant she's your wife. Then what would happen? Paro, the one Sarah, the most beautiful woman in the world, he wants her for himself. And he's going to say to him, she's my sister, and then Lot will correct it. No, no, she's your wife. Right away gives them a reason to kill Abraham, lying to the king. Death penalty right away. 
and release Sarah, and she goes with Paro, and when you're with the end of it, and Lot become a very rich man, plus he has a special benefit by the king. Thanks to him, he got Sarah. He told the king the truth. And that's the only reason he followed Abraham for this moment to become a, a, a millionaire. And he was standing quiet over there, eating his heart, but did not say anything. That minute that he was quiet got him a huge reward. What is it? The Mashiach comes from him, the Messiah. The Messiah, <laughs> the Messiah comes from him, from Lot. You understand? Why, how does it help him? I don't know. How does it help him? Because after all, he became a, a wicked person. He moved to San Francisco. He joined the liberal lefty court of San Francisco. He became the main job in the Supreme Court. Pro-abortion, pro-murder, pro-have mercy on murderers and no mercy on their victims. The Democrat way. That's what it is. He, he was sitting in the entrance to the gate. That means that he was sitting in a bedding. Because in, the law is that every town has to have the court right by the entrance to the town. The town is surrounded by a wall. Once you walk into the gate, you have the guards. Right away, the first thing you have to see in the town is the court. Why the first thing you see is has to be the court? Why? To get people scared. Why? If you're not scared from the law, there is a much higher chance you'll be a big criminal. When you know the police is very, very tough, you give up on your plans to act in a criminal activity. But when you know there's a weak police, police like in New York, de Blasio chop their wings, they can fly. It's a, it's a bird with no wings. Nobody is afraid of them anymore. You saw in the riots what happened. People in front of their eyes burned their cows. And there's nothing they can do about it. They did whatever they want. Break into stores. Police stand right there by the sidewalk. There's nothing they can do. Why? Weak controller, weak governor makes what's, you know, what we saw in front of our eyes. When you, walk, uh, when you walk out of the plane, when you land in Singapore, as soon as you come out of the plane, you go to the immigration, what's the first sentence you're going to hear? Welcome to Singapore, the land that you get a death penalty for drug dealing or drug trafficking or drug using. I don't know exactly the words there. Drug use. That's the welcome to Singapore. Don't mess with us. You touch drugs, you sell drugs, you'll buy drugs, you smoke drugs. We will kill you here. We are not interested in people like you here. That's why they have the lowest crime in the world. Who would dare to be a criminal there? You don't hear about one murder in Singapore here. In Israel, every hour a murder. 
When I was a kid in Israel, there was one murder in 10 years. No exaggeration. And who was murdered? My babysitter. The only murder in Israel was a woman that was babysitting me when I was a kid. Rachel Heller, a soldier, was kidnapped, raped, and murdered. When she became a soldier, she came from a religious home. Religious people don't go to the army. I remember her father in the neighborhood where we grew up. Her father was religious, but the kids, you know, Israel is Israel. Kids leave the dot, leave the religion, unfortunately. So what happened over there? She decided to go to the army. Religious girls don't go to the army, but she decided to go to the army. That was her end. Right there, walking out of the army with her uniform. And they took a person, Amos Baranes, and they pinned the murder to him. Even though he kept screaming, it's not me, I'm innocent, I'm innocent. They made him sit in prison almost 20 years. And he kept screaming, I'm innocent, I'm innocent, the murderer is still free. Usually after a while, the person stopped to scream, I'm innocent. That's it, he agreed with it. He never agreed. He, every time he screamed and screamed, I'm innocent, it wasn't me, I didn't, I didn't touch her. The president has the, the ability to pardon them. They kept telling him, well, We'll dismiss your case. We'll let you get out. Like Trump uh, helped Rubashkin. The president can do it. You'll be out in a week. Say, no. That's not how I want to go out. I want to have a fair trial. You all know I'm not uh, guilty. I want to prove that I'm not guilty. He, he did not agree to leave jail until they will admit their mistake. And in the end, they did. They said, we're going to make you another trial. And he was, not, he was found not guilty. And a few months later, he died from cancer. I finally admitted that he wasn't the murderer. And her murderer was never found. Why am I telling you this story? Because everyone in Israel was shocked for 10 years. Because there was no, no word about a murder. Who heard in Israel about a murder? Now they brought one million Russian Kozakim from Zera Amalek, from Ukraine, from this, almost all of them goyim. With Nazi ideology, many of them, they even have swastikers tattooed. Unbelievable what happened. 960,000 goyim they brought. They brought a million, 40,000 of them were Jewish. And the crime rate jumped by tens of thousands of percent. Every hour someone gets murdered. Crazy what's happening. Hitmen, killing, shooting. Russian mafia. That's besides the Israeli mafia. And the Arab, which is the worst one. Because by then there's no mercy. It's very cruel. They blow up each other on a daily basis. This is what's happening now. Every hour someone gets killed. Over parking, people shoot each other. It's crazy. And here the same thing. Singapore, nobody gets murdered. Nobody mess with the police there. You can't kiss your girlfriend on the street in some countries. 
If they find you intimate in a public, even in a car or something, or in a park, it's the end of you. You go to jail for years. It's unbelievable to me how some going in the world have more values than people that are considered to be the chosen people. There's nothing chosen about them. But they're part of the Jewish nation. I said with a big embarrassment that we have some such, such people in our nation. You see those clowns in the government today. You see they are, the way they are. So that's the, that's the reality. So anyway, we are Baruch Hashem now about 20 hours before. We have one more day to cry to Hashem to try to save what can be saved. Yesterday I spoke in Queens about uh, certain things that relates to it. Today I'm going to speak a little bit about it. Then I want to speak about the parasha that comes on Shabbat, Parashat Azinu. The Rambam in Ilchot Shuvat chapter 2, the Rambam asks, what is a complete repentance? Ezoi Tshuva Gmura. And he answered, you have an opportunity to commit a sin of something that you did already. You committed already. Every word in the Rambam is precise. And you have the ability to commit this sin again. And he did not commit the sin because he made tshuva. Not because he was afraid of the police or the king that will execute him. Or from someone else that may get revenge against him. Not because he is old or sick or weak or not talented to be able to commit such a sin. He is fully able to, he can commit the sin with no problem. There's only one thing stops him. What is it? How can I do it to Hashem? That's what Yosef said to Eshet Potiphar. Yosef, the most beautiful Goya in Egypt, and perhaps in the whole world, changing clothes for him morning and evening. Gadim shelavsha boker lo lavsha Twice a day she changed clothes for him with all her perfumes and all this. And he's uh, 17, 18 years old. When the blood is boiling and the Yetzirah is in his highest. And she seduce him and force him and talk to him and beg him and threaten him. And he's alone, depressed. He just lost his father, which was the chief rabbi of the world the founder of the Jewish na nation, Yaakov Avinu, Jacob. He lost his family. His brothers turned their back on him, threw him in a pit, later sold him to the Arabs for 20 shekel, for price of shoes made in China, in Walmart. 20 bucks, you know the shoes made in China in Walmart? That's what they charge for him. Here, 20 bucks, take him. I don't have to tell you how horrible his mental condition was. 
He has no ability to learn Torah. He was learning with his father all, all the time. His own brothers sentenced him to death, and they said to eat like nothing happened. He lost his brother, his sister, everybody, whatever he's going to have. His mother died relatively young. He left alone in the world eventually, Yosef. Horrible life he had. Now he's going to prison for 12 years. Before the prison, a woman come showing him love and he's alone with her and he has to fight this Nisayon. And then he told her, how can I do it to God? How can I do it to God? I can't do it. Meaning I want to do it. It's not that I don't want. Desire is desire. But I'm afraid of Hashem. That's what the Rambam talks about. Not because he cannot do it. Not because he's afraid that someone would chop his head off. Not because he's afraid to get disease or anything like that. That's different reasons. Right now, he's not doing it for only one reason. What is it? Because Hashem said not to do it. And the Rambam gives the example of what he's talking about. He had relationship with a woman, forbidden relationship. And now they are together again. She showed up again after he became religious. He desires her and loves her very much. Fully. In the same place where he was used to make scenes with her. Same city, same area. And this time he overcame his desire and did not violate the rules. Zehu Baal Tshuva Gamur. It's a complete Baal Tshuva. What about all the money he stole? What does it have to do with the girl now? What about the Shabbat he may not keep? What about prayers that he may not pray? What about food that he may eat non-kosher? What is the connection between... Okay, there's one very nice thing he did now. He had an opportunity to, to, to make a sin, to commit a sin, and he, and he didn't. But does it make him righteous when it comes to Shabbat? He may still be Mechalel Shabbat. He may still be a person that does not learn Torah. He may still be a liar. He may still be a thief. He may still be an abuser of his parents. He may be so many other things. What, one very big thing he did. What about all the others? The answer, of course, well, what, you want to teach the Rambam something that every fool knows? What did you think? The Rambam doesn't know that he still needs to keep Shabbat and he needs to be an honest person and he needs to pray and he needs to learn Torah and he needs to dress like a Jew. He doesn't know all of that. Of course he knows. So what is he talking about in this particular problem? This now he's giving an example with forbidden relationship. But he still has to do the same thing with stealing. Meaning, if he's a normally steal, and now he has an opportunity to steal. And he said, I'm not touching. Why? Because I became religious. And he had an opportunity to steal easily. And he didn't. 
Now he fixed this bad habit of stealing, which, by the way, he still have to return all the money he stole. And if he was Mechalel Shabbat, and now he has another opportunity to get in a car with his friends and go, and they're waiting, and he said, no, I'm not coming. Come on, there's a game, come. We're driving, come. No, no, I'm not getting in a car. And they beg him, and he didn't get in. That means he became a Shomer Shabbat. Now, now, what happened if he only made tshuva once he got old? That's it, he cannot be with a woman anymore. Very old. So now, a woman that used to make sins with her many years ago showed up, but he's unable to be with her. And she begged him to be with her. Actually, the Rambam doesn't say it. The Rambam say just that he's old, meaning he's unable like before, but doesn't mean completely unable, meaning he has less desire. Because he's much older now, he has less desire. When he was 20, 30, he had a lot of desire. Now he's in his 70s, maybe he has less desire. That's what the Rambam means. And he said, I'm not doing it. Why? I'm a Baal Tshuva. Does it count or no? The Rambam said, that's not a superb Tshuva. It's not a, it's not a high level Tshuva, but it's still a Tshuva. Even if he violated the rules of the Torah all his life and did tshuva in a day of his death, the last day of his life, after eight years of sins, and died, avonotav nimchalim, his crimes will be forgiven. Why? If he did a real tshuva. The Gemara brings an example of a person, his name was Elazar ben Dordaya. Elazar ben Dordaya. I don't know if Dordaya was his father or mother. I don't know if it's a name of a man or a name of a woman. Either way, probably his father was Dordaya. That he was a psycho, meaning all day goes from one woman to another. Womanizer. He went to all the women and made sins with all of them. And one time, one of them told him, shame on you, you're worse than an animal. Look at you, you're a Jew, you, that's how you behave. And what happened? He realized that second that is really horrible. He's a serious criminal. And he went out, sat between the mountains, and started to cry and cry and cry, and said to the mountains, pray for me, say to the birds, pray for me, Elwan, please pray for me, that I should do, that I should repent. And he cried so bad until he died. Did you ever hear a person from a broken heart crying about his sin? Until he dies? I never heard of something like this. I know there's a lot of tzaddikim that cries every day. They do tikkun chatzot, they cry. Slichot, they cry. They daven, they cry. They cry a lot. But to cry to such a level, to die from crying, is very, very rare. That means the heart was so broken, maybe he got a heart attack in the middle. Uh, probably what happened. So once he died, 
There was an announcement in the court of heaven. Rabbi, not Elazar, Rabbi Elazar. Rabbi Elazar ben, ben Dordaya is welcome to the world to come. What do you see? Tshuva in the last day of your life can still save you. But we don't know when it's going to be the last day of your life. And the question is how all of a sudden from the biggest criminal he became a rabbi without learning 30 years Torah. Huh? Still a ma'aretz. Still a ma'aretz. The answer is there are two kinds of tshuva. Tshuva out of fear and tshuva out of love. Tshuva out of fear is very good. It can help you to erase all your sins and all your punishment. But it's not the best one. Tshuva out of love. And a part of love means that I'm so ashamed from Hashem and regret so much what I've done. But now when I understand who Hashem is and I love Him so much, I feel so bad. I feel so bad that I've done what I've done to Him that a person begins to cry with shame. That's considered, what is it? And if you do tshuva out of love fully, the sins turns into mitzvot. That's why all of a sudden he became a rabbi. If you are dreaming that maybe you can do tshuva from ava, I'm sorry that I have to cool you off a little bit. I'm 26 years in this job of making ba'alei tshuva. I can count on one hand how many Baalei Tshuva I've seen that did really from a high level of love. Most of them, almost all of them, their first reaction is, what is it? Tshuva, because they realize there are, there are going to be consequences, consequences to their action. They understood what it means to be Mechalel Shabbat. They understood what it means not to put filin. They understood a lot of the things they did wrong. What are going to be the consequences of it? And what Hashem thinks about them? They got so worried. They worry to get a disease. They worry to lose their job. They worry to lose all their money. They worry to die. They worry not to get married. They worry not to have children. They worry to have defective children. They worry about them. Hashem has a variety of punishments, as we all know. They worry very much. They came to some lectures. They heard, they read in a Torah, in Parashat HaShavua, what can happen to a criminal that goes against Hashem. And out of fear, they started to do tshuva. Later, 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 they can turn into love also. After a while, that you did in the beginning because you worry, Later you begin to learn Torah more and more and more and you fall in love more and more with Hashem. But in the beginning usually what triggers the tshuva is that you're so embarrassed of who you are and you are so worried about all the bad things you did, what's going to be your end? And that's if you're smart. Today the world has so many stupid people that even if you show them black and white what's going to be their end, or what happened to people that did not do even half as bad as they do, what was their end, it's still not enough 
for most people. Whatever happened, happened. That's it. What can you do? Whatever happened, happened. Now the Rambam gives us some good tips. What is the tshuva? That a sinner has to leave the sin, remove it from his head, and accept in his heart never to repeat it again. That's what's written. Yes. And will regret what he have done. Why? It's all verses, by the way. Everything I tell you, it's clear verses in the Tanakh. Ki acharei shuvi nichamti. Nichamti means I regret. Right? And HaKadosh Baruch Hu will put a stamp on him. That he has no intention to return back to that scene ever again. If he will or not later on, it can happen. But right now he really means it. I'm done with Chilul Shabbat. That's it. He already informed the people this Shabbat we closed the store. I'm not opening. He already making steps to prepare for the first Shabbat he's going to keep. Accepted on himself never to repeat that again, that Chilul Shabbat. That's called a Baal Tshuva. Then the Rambam continue. Someone that confess. When we pray every, every day after Tfilat Shmona we have a confession. How many confessions we have a day? How many? Huh? Three times a day. You have one in Shachrit. You have one in Mincha if you Sfaradi. And you have when you go to sleep, Kriyat Shema. Three times a day. Some Ashkenazim, they don't have confession in Mincha. In Shachrit, everybody has. But in Mincha, some places they have, some places they don't have. I never understood why some Hasidim do, and some don't. I don't know why. But it's in the Sidurim. Ashamnu, Bagadnu, okay. By the way, the Rambam say, The more you confess, the better it is for you. Why? How many times a day I have to reveal my, the list of all my crimes? How many times? It's not enough once a day. Why does it have to be three times a day? Why? How many times you have to tell a person I'm sorry? You come and you say to a person, I'm truly sorry. I'm, I'm, I regret so much. Forgive me, please. I'm sorry. Do you have to come two hours later and repeat the whole speech? And then a few hours later again? What is the reason? The reason is, do you know how many sins an average person can commit between the confession of the morning until the confession of Mincha? They have like seven, eight, nine hours. Do you know how many sins a person can gain in nine hours? Do you even understand how many? One conversation of 20 minutes with Lashon Ara and destroying someone's reputation right there. You need a serious tshuva for it. If you watch some movie, now it's in style, I hear. I have once one person who tells me what's happening in the communities. What's communities that are considered ultra-Orthodox. 
Unfortunately, they are not ultra-orthodox and not orthodox at all. The new generation is into movies. People that look so religious watching Hollywood movies with no shame. People, day after they get married, they run to the store and buy a smartphone. Husband and wife. That's the thank you they say to Hashem to make a match between them. First day out of the chupa, they run to get a smartphone. I don't have to tell you what's going to happen to them a month after the wedding. They become totally secular. They're still going to put the show. Smartphone in one month destroyed the person's neshama. And I'm being lenient. Sometimes it takes a week, sometimes even less. It's enough that what they can press over there and see in one, in few hours, destroys their neshama. Destroying their mind, destroy their mentality. He can never learn Torah after that, after what he saw. This uh, Hasid or Litvish or Sfaradi, whatever he was. That's it. His innocence is destroyed. And I don't have to tell you what an addiction is. Almost all people have this habit. They like something, they become addicted to it. One is addicted to basketball, and one is addicted to soccer, and one is addicted to food, and one is addicted to women, and one is addicted to movies. Everybody with his addiction. Some people addicted to everything. To everything. Ay, ay, ay. It's very sad. So the Rambam continue. The Rambam says, someone that confesses and in his heart did not accept on himself not to repeat that sin, that's a joke. That's a horrible joke. It's similar to someone who goes to the mikveh holding a dead uh, pig in his hand. Tovel v'sheretz b'yado. The idea is when you confess, you have to confess and accept on yourself to stop with the sin. As it's written, Modeh, you confess, Ve'ozev, and leave the sin for good. Yerucham. That's when the mercy of Hashem begins. But if you confess and does not leave the sin, just confess. The mercy doesn't start. The verse is very clear. Modeh ve'ozev. Live. Yerucham. The way of the tshuva is someone that became a Baal tshuva so'ek tamid lifnei Hashem. Screams all the time to Hashem. Bebechi Uvetachanunim, all the time. Do you know what it means all the time? Look how far we are from real tshuva. This was written 850 years ago. Maimonides, the Rambam. The way to be a bad tshuva means in his time, that's the way it was. All day crying, like Rav Ades. We have one in a generation like this. Two maybe, uh, Rav Mordechai Steiner in Monsi. Two I know. Probably there's some more. Maybe there are more. I know two. Crying. 
all day when they daven, cry, run, jump, sit. Huh? Malka passed away. Moshe Malka was also like that. We had three at the same time that I know, that I know personally. But how many have, you see? Three that the, the whole world knows. That means it's rare. If everyone was like that, no one would make a big deal out of it. If every Baal Tshuva would be like Rav Ades, rolling on the floor on a, by the western wall with a talit, crying to Hashem, doing tikkun chatzot, reaping the sky with his tears and screaming. If everyone was like that, Rav Ades would not be something special. Rav Ades, not only that, is also a super, super, super genius Talmid Chacham. One of the biggest in the whole world. He has photographic memory, super, super sharp brain. He wrote dozens of books, each book 2,000 pages. You're not going to find those books in stores and you don't find them almost in any yeshiva. Why you don't? Nobody can understand those books. All very high level, big Kabbalistic books. Nobody can understand that. Yeah. Nobody understands. And they give it to any rabbi today here, Borough Park, Flatbush. Chinese for him. Well, no, what do you want from me? Wow, look at this. 2000. Where did he have the time to write all these books? Neshama like this, I wonder is a Gilgul of whom? For sure somebody big, for sure someone that we know. It's the reincarnation of someone huge. So, this is the way a Baal Tshuva has to be. Always cry and scream to Hashem with begging. And does tons of charity. That's the best advice in this generation especially. But I tell you why. As hard as it is to give tzedakah, to give donation, as much as it burns your heart, as much as you feel resistance before you write the check or before you put the money in the envelope, that's actually the easiest things out of all the other options. The other options means cancer, problem, children are dying, you have horrible sicknesses, doctors, surgeries, hospitals. So what's the best way to get rid of this kind of suffering? To give a lot, to redeem yourself. Give, you give, you give. Every time there's a decree, dismissed. Next, another decree, dismissed. Why? The idea of, suff of, of sending a person a disease putting him in jail, giving him hard time, being chased by all kinds of criminals, all this horrible suffering is to erase the sin. The intentional karet sins, 36 of them, they are in the Torah. That's the way to erase them. After he did tshuva, after Yom Kippur, after the confessions, after everything, that's not enough. You still must receive suffering. So what's better, to write checks, a lot of them, weekly, every week, big checks. If you feel the pinch, or chas v'shalom to start chemo. 
or chas v'shalom to be with a child six months in a hospital. Like I know people from Israel come with their kids, going to Philadelphia, sitting next to the kids six months, lose their job, lose their home, lose their life. Just maybe the kid would leave. What's better? I don't have to tell you the kind of suffering the world has to offer. I'm sure you know as, just as well as me what's happening today in the world. How many bankruptcies and corona and divorce and children in drugs and so many teenagers dying from drugs and so many mental cases growing by the minute. It seems to me that every day there are more and more crazy people joining the world, joining the cycle. You see what people talk about. You see how everyone decided to give their life to fight against the vaccines. The most important thing in their life. Nothing else. No Torah, no yeshiva, no davening, no nothing. A day before Yom Kippur, you see these fools all day sending video, vaccine, 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 five million times. They don't understand the Satan grabbed their soul already. Long time ago. What are you, the savior of the world? What are you? Just focus on Avodat Hashem. What, that's become the religion now? You have to see what's happening out there. That's all they care about. Unbelievable. Such obsession. They're so obsessive. I never saw one of them care that there are millions of Jews dying. Their neshama is dying from their averot, from living with the goyot in Israel, from homosexuality, from stealing, from mechalele Shabbat, for all kinds of other problems in Israel. The Arabs taking over the country. The Muslims are choking us more and more by the minute. The country is falling in the hands of the enemies that planning to slaughter all of us soon. Iran is one man from a bomb. Nothing they care about. The only one thing they worry about, the vaccine. If these people are not crazy, who is crazy? Who? And this is assuming they're right. If they're wrong, there's even nothing to talk about. Obsession, such an obsession. It's unbelievable. I never saw these people so obsessive to save the life of the Mechalelei Shabbat. I never saw any one of them take a book and go to their family and say, I want to teach you what, what horrible crimes you commit. I cannot sleep at night when all my brothers and sisters are Mechalelei Shabbat. I never saw any obsession about this. One Chilul Shabbat is a trillion times worse than vaccine or not vaccine or corona or not corona. What's better, to die from corona and go to heaven or to live without dying from corona and go to hell for 5,000 years? What's better? You worry about corona? You worry about the vaccine? Maybe somebody will have an infection in his heart one day? Side effects. Long-term side effects. We're talking about immediate side effects. People are criminals rebelling against Hashem, all these lefty traders. All these people with abomination everywhere you go. Israel became worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. Worse. And they're not worried. I never saw one act of obsession about this. Rock vaccine. That's it. No religion. That's the no religion. 
5,000 videos a week they send. All day from morning to night. They don't even touch Gemara anymore. People that used to be Avrechei Kolel, all day sending the fake news non-stop. That's all they care about. I'm doing research. The new Albert Einstein. When is the last time you did research what Rashi said or Tosfot or the Rambam? Forgot about them. He has new names now. The YouTube speaker. Unbelievable. So the Rambam say, you have to cry and you have to beg and you have to give tons of tzedakah, the maximum ability, and run away from the sides of the things that used to commit sins and change his name. What's your name? Nimrod. Thousands of people in Israel, their name is Nimrod. Why? Because their parents are ignorant. If you come to a secular Israeli and say, I have a good name for your boy. Yes, Adolf. What? You want me to call my son Adolf? Much better than Nimrod. Maybe not much better, but just as bad. Nimrod, rebel, <laughs> declare a war against Hashem, mass murderer, Nimrod. The first Hitler of the world is Nimrod. First one. Everybody else came after him. He's the, the role model. Nimrod. Do you know how many Israelis their name is Nimrod? You're not going to believe it. Or Herzl. What's your name? Herzl. 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 Read in his book. What was his plan? To turn all Jews to Christianity. To be idol worshippers. He wrote it in his book with no shame. They call their kids Herzl. Ay, what can I tell you? So you have to change your name. If you have such a horrible name, these kind of names, get rid of them. Put a kosher name. Mutsi, Putsi, all kinds of names. What's your name? Steve. But you're a Jew, no? Yeah. Do you have an Hebrew name? No. What's your name? John. You're a Jew? I once, uh, when, in the days that I used to work, I had a guy who came to work with us in the office. What was his name? Chris Cohen. <laughs> Me, as a, as a total fool I was back then, talking to you, what, 28 years ago, not knowing that much about religion, I wasn't that stupid. So I asked him, what's your name? Is Chris Cohen? What, are you a Jew? He said, yes. I said, what kind of Jew called his son Chris? He said, you got me? I have no idea why. Now he wants to do tshuva. He's going to keep the name Chris? Huh? You got to change the name. But not literally just the name. The name is okay, it's important, but meaning to change your status. 
your reputation. That people say he has good name or he has bad name. This person has a good name or a bad name. I'll tell you a story that I just found out an hour ago. Two hours ago to be precise. One boy started to go on dating. One boy, one boy started to go on dating. The family of the girl is checking him out for two weeks, FBI investigation. They spoke to every one of his rabbis since he was a baby until now, in Israel when he learned, and here, mamash, they make an investigation. Now they want to talk to the in-laws of his brothers and sisters, meaning they want to see what experience they had with his family. That when they finally want to become a family, they want to know who their in-laws going to be. They make an FBI investigation. Two weeks from morning to night. <laughs> they call here, they call there. Tough. And they said, after all this time, and this is a bright boy, learning good yeshivot, serious, ben Torah. A real bargain. <coughs> a real bargain. He did not understand how they didn't grab him. His ego was so hurt. How can it be? After they spoke to my rabbis and they all say that I'm such a serious learner, learning non-stop, don't waste time, don't have a phone, serious ben Torah, where are they going to find someone like this? Like, you understand what's going out there? Finally, somebody comes to his yeshiva and he, from all the boys there, Ask that person, can I help you? Are you looking for someone? Do you need something? No, I just came to check around. Can I make you something to drink? No. Few hours later, they gave the okay. Who was that person? A spy that they sent to the yeshiva to check if everything they heard about this boy is real. He really sits and learns. And look how Hashem from all the boys got that boy to come to the spy and tell him, can I make you something to drink? Do you need something? So that's the kind of guy we like. So all the investigation, in the end, what made them decide? The coffee. Not the coffee. It's mamash like Eliezer and Rivka. The only difference is that Rivka didn't have such a great reputation with a brother like this and a father like this, and, you know. Huh? The idea is, Rabotai, if Hashem wants something to happen, He has His ways. If Hashem didn't want that Shiduch to happen, when the spy came, He would make this guy go to sleep. He had a headache. And they asked, where is this guy? Oh, he went to sleep. I'm just saying. Hashem has his way, but we don't really see. We don't really see that every little thing is a part of a plan. Anyway, we move on. So the Rambam continue. The Rambam says, change the name, meaning change your reputation. 
I'm a different person. What you know me, what I used to do, forget it. This person died. Same thing like a goy. A goy or a goya. Once they convert, the goy that lived is dead. It's finished. doesn't exist anymore. He dies and all his sins die with him. He's a new person now. Getting a new neshama. Actually, you know what? If I was a goy and I would know that, uh, once I would get uh, a little bit old or sick, first thing I'll do, convert right away. Why? Get rid of all your sins. That's it. There's no more Tony. Tony died. There's no... Tony is a discontinued model. Became Yossi. Tony Yossi. Christine became Sarah. Huh? Punish who? There's no, there's no, that's it. There's no, there's no, nobody to punish. Do you understand? It's, it's unbelievable advice. Let me ask you a question. If you have a neshama with a body, and, there's, and that, that person became somebody new, like a baby that was born, the Gemara says. The person that lived now 40 years doesn't exist. Who are you going to punish? I'm asking you a question. You want to punish Tony. Tony used to kill, Tony used to steal. But there's no more Tony in the world. It doesn't exist. Where are you going to put him? You can't put Tony in hell and you can't put him in heaven of the Goim. Because there's no more Tony the Goy. Huh? If he converts, and there's a real conversion, and keep the mitzvot, he goes to heaven, of course. Yesterday I spoke in my lecture, I told the story, Rav Sharia Davlitsky, one of the Gdolei Ador that had in our days, big, big Chacham, and a huge Kabbalist, and as a very big tzaddik also. So... He had a cleaning guy in Israel, a goy, that was cleaning his yeshiva. And he was giving him 200 shekel every time he came to clean. Yeah, you know, about 60, 70 dollars. One day, this goy decided to convert. He saw the behaving of this rabbi and his students and all the Jews. He said, I cannot stay goy. I have to be a Jew. He started to learn, 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 became a Jew. But he insisted to continue to clean the yeshiva. The fact that I'm Jewish doesn't mean I have to stop being a cleaning guy, especially when it's involved with the yeshiva. Rabbi, please promise me you let me continue to clean. Okay, if that's what you like, fine. Now when he became a Jew, he gave him a raise. He gave him 250 shekel. And then he never asked for a raise. To begin with, the 200 shekel was already above the average. It was two hours work, whatever. hundred shekels is a lot for an hour. But the, guy never, the convert never asked for a raise. But the rabbi added 50 more shekels to, uh, to his salary. Why? So the student asked him, Rabbi, he never asked for a raise. And as it is, it's a lot. What made you give him an extra? He said the Torah said 36 times to love the convert. 
respect them, admire them, not to deceive them. So 200, I owe him even if he was a goy. That's what he gets. 50 extra was to do the mitzvah, you should love the convert. Same thing, by the way, applies when you want to go to a wedding of a Talmud Yeshiva. Let's say you have a normal gift that you gift when you go to a regular wedding. You go, you and your wife, you give $300, let's say, $150 a head. That's normally what you give. I'm just making up a number. Now you just found out that the Bachur Yeshiva poor is getting married. And you want to give, you want to give him more money, because you know he's a Bachur Yeshiva. So you decided to give $500 a gift instead of three, because he's a Bachur Yeshiva, or because he's a convert. You know he's a tzaddik convert. You want to fulfill the mitzvah of you should love the convert. You decided to add two more hundred dollars to the gift. Can you deduct it from your master? Yes. What do you think? Yes. Can you deduct? You want to deduct the five hundred dollars you give to the Bachur Yeshiva or to the convert? Not Ah. So the 300 you give to everyone, even to a secular guy, if he invites you and you come to the chupa and you give it to him. That's you give anyway, because you kind of cover the food and the expenses. The extra of what you really wanted to give, this you can deduct from the master. They're giving, they're giving it tzedakah to Bachur Yeshiva. Hidden inside the wedding gift, which is less embarrassment. If you come to him separately a week later and give him another $200 in his hand, he gets embarrassed. What, I live of charity? He gets upset. He may get upset. But if you push it into the wedding gift, you can deduct the extra from the master. What about the convert? You want to add two more hundred to fulfill the mitzvah ve'aftar tager. Can you deduct it from the master? No, think. There's any difference between this and a Bachur Yeshiva, or it's the same exact rule? The answer is you cannot deduct it from your master. You are fulfilling a separate mitzvah. Pay for it! Well, you want to buy high-level tefillin? You want to deduct it from the master? No. You invest in a tefillin. Which, by the way, reminds me, I brought from Israel very, very high level of tefillin. All handmade, from A to Z. No glue, no machines, everything. Price is half, half a price than what you buy it in every store. Save a lot of money. So, the idea is, this, by the way, there's a few, uh, few different levels. I'll give you an example. You have tefillin that they make, they roll it with the hand like this. It takes hours to roll. Or with the, with the pedals in the legs. Or there is a machine. You press a button, the machine does it. Or you roll the button. As long as you roll the button, it turns around. You leave, it stops. There's different level. If you press and the machine does the work, that's not high level. The machine did almost everything. 
and it saves you hours of work, many hours. But it's not koach gavra. Some argue to say, well, without me pressing the button, it would not happen. The machine did the rest of the work. Some say, no, there is a higher level. You don't just press the button and leave. You hold your hand on the button, meaning now your hand is the cause of the tefillin being made. There is a higher level. Why do I even need a machine? I roll it myself, like the old days, like how Moshe Rabbeinu made. Didn't use any machine, any electric. There was no electric. I will do it the old-fashioned way, 100% handmade. Makes it a lot more expensive because it takes much more time to do it. Or if you use glue or not. If you put a little glue in the head between the four sections and you close it, in one hour it's done. Without glue, it takes a lot longer to do. Or the sheen. You have sheen of three and sheen of four. After you take the, the, the sheen, you, you dip it in some ink, and you put it on a tefillin, so now you have the, the picture of the sheen. How do you make the sheen comes out? You can do it with machine, with pressure. The machine press the background in, and the sheen stays out. Or you can take a special tool and press the background in, which take you all day. Press it in, do it, that's much more work. It's different, different levels, many different levels. Also, the sofer. It's important that the writing will be pretty, but there's a lot of other things. The letters have to be all correct. It, can be not, it cannot be too close to each other. Maybe one letter touch the other. The sofer has to go to the mikveh every day. Sofer that doesn't touch his beard, watch his eyes, bend Torah, learning Torah all day. Writing tefillin without learning Torah all day, without being a Ben Torah, is no Kedusha in a tefillin. Maybe kosher, but there's no holiness in it. Bottom line, you have to be extremely careful who you buy tefillin and mezizot from. More careful, more careful than what doctor you choose to operate on your brain or on your heart. More careful. Why? Because the heart and the brain, in the end, it's Hashem's decision if you live or die. Yes, it's important to choose a good doctor that knows what he's doing and has good rating and good reputation and experience. But in the end, even not such a great doctor, if Hashem wants you to live, you live. And if he wants you to die with the best doctor, you die. Filin and Mezzot is 100% handmade. People, you have to choose who you choose, kosher one or non-kosher one. In case you're still not convinced, I want you to know from a testimony I heard when I was in Israel, some sofrim are so low level, meaning in their spirituality, they're almost secular. When they write filin, they listen to women singing on a radio at the same time, sitting with shorts, short sleeves, and writing. Do you want this datilonim to write your filin? Imagine you buy tefillin from a messianic Jew that worship his Rebbe, that's his God, that's his real God. That's it. Hashem doesn't exist. You tell him, say Hashem. The Rebbe doesn't want to say Hashem. What Kedusha this tefillin is? You understand? It's a problem, Rabotai. You have to be very careful. In Israel, they put in a market thousands of mezuzot that were written by prostitutes that have a graphic hand. Now, what Livui, they have good hand. They decided to stop 
their prostitution, so they took them to a place, taught them, you know, they have good hands, so they know how to draw, and they write, and it's fake. It's all, it's not, none of it is kosher. They don't know halachot, nothing. But it looks okay. They have a, a, an artist. An artist can draw almost everything you teach him. Even though today in art, the dumber you are, the more expensive your paintings are. If you make a line and a triangle and a circle, 30 million dollars. If you make an unbelievable view painting with the trees and the lake and the sun and the moon and people and I don't know what, bridge, $200. Ketchup on canvas, here you go. Take the ketchup, go like this, 36 million. What can we do? The dumber you are, the more important you become in the world. Look at the politicians. Look who, look, the President of the United States, the Prime Minister of Israel. Look at the kind of people we have today. What are you going to do? So, we move on, the Rambam continue, and the Rambam says, go to exile. Move out of your comfort zone. The more exile you will be in, far away from your comfort area, the more your sins faster will be erased. Golemi mekomo, shegalut mechaperet avon, the exile clean the sins, but not exile that you live in Beverly Hills in a ten-acre mansion. That's not an exile. Why? Because if they pay you a million dollar gift to move to Israel, you won't agree to leave your mansion. Where am I going to move? Don't worry, in Israel you also have mansions. It's not like my mansion over here, Rabbi. We got used to LA. You cannot live in Israel. That's not an exile. That's an exile by choice. <laughs> exile means you live in a comfort area, the police is after you to catch you, you run to Namibia or to Zimbabwe. And you're all around in Uganda over there, Idi Amin, Dada and his friends, coming around, what are you doing here? I'm running away from the Israeli FBI. That's an exile. The FBI is, is after him, so he ran to some country, Brazil, Morocco, living alone, hiding. That's an exile. It happened, there's a case like this in Israel, one bus driver, secular, Driving the bus in Jerusalem, in Jerusalem, a little girl ran into the street. He cannot stop the bus. He hit the girl and killed her on the spot. And who sits in the first row on the bus? The mother of the girl. She actually saw it. You believe such thing? It happened in Jerusalem. The driver went crazy, screaming, crying, no, God, please. The mother, the people on the bus, all religious people, religious neighbor. And people see the woman is fainting. What happened? This is her daughter. Bechlali dies now. The mother is right next to him. So he, he begged the woman, please forgive me. You saw how she ran to the street. There's nothing I could have done. So the woman said to him, you took a soul, return a soul. He didn't understand. How can I return the soul? 
I'll give everything I can for her to return. No, her it's already lost case. Return your soul to Hashem. He lost the holy righteous soul. You have to become righteous instead of her. I promise I'm going to become religious. And he kept his promise. He came a bad tshuva. He suffered very much. He comes to Rabbi Tzion Abba Shaul. I'm not getting married. Maybe not everybody heard that he's the one who killed the girl in the bus. Poor guy. <laughs> You're supposed to be in Irmiklat, in a shelter city. What am I going to marry you now? So he can't get married. So he came to Rabbi Tzion Abba Shaul. Rabbi, what should I do? Rabbi Tzion Abba Shaul say, leave Israel. Go to exile. Make sure every week you relocate. Do not stay in one place more than a week. You stay there one week, move to another place and another place. You'll be always on the road. Until one day they will offer you a good shiduch with a good girl that will be your shiduch. You marry her and your exile will be over. Just show you what, what does it mean, Ruach HaKodesh. The Holy Spirit of Hashem is on him. Because if not, how can you do such a thing to a person? Will I dare to come to a person and say to him, leave Israel and go every week, be on the road, suffer for 10 years, destroy your life? I, I would die from fear. It's like murder. To make, up, to make it up? What's the difference between this and a murder? You destroy, someone's trusting you and he's going to listen to what you do and you send him now on the road every week. Who knows what's going to happen to him? Who knows where he's going to end? He can be killed. Who knows, get depressed, I don't know what happened to him. To say to someone something like this has to be, especially when he's such a righteous rabbi, has to be Ruach HaKodesh. Guaranteed. It's like, I told you once the story of my uncle that came to him and said, Rabbi, I'm about to get my compensation money after four years working for Amcor, the refrigerator companies in Israel, Amcor. I'm about to get enough money and I'm retiring. Should I buy an apartment in Jerusalem or should I buy an apartment in Ramle? What's the difference? The difference is, the difference is in Ramle I can pay for the apartment in full. But Jerusalem is double the prices. I can only pay for half of the apartment and I'm still going to need a mortgage. Rav Ben-Zion Abba Shaul told him, ask me this question when you actually have the money in your hand. My uncle <laughs> almost fainted. Ma, for the Rav, you see something? Ma, I'm not going to get the money? Four years I work for this money. He got so nervous. He said to him, no, no, relax. I didn't say you're not going to get the money. But when you have the money, come back and ask me the same question again. My uncle had a little bit of big mouth. So he said to him, so what's the difference if I have the money now in my hand or I will have it in two months? It's the same question going to be in two months. Ramle, without mortgage, Jerusalem, with half an apartment mortgage. I've been seeing Abba Shaul say to him, when you will have the money in your hand, the question will be halacha lemaaseh. 
a practical halacha question. What should I do, Rabbi? Allowed, not allowed. Go here or go there. Right now it's hypothetically speaking. When you will have the money, it will be an actual question. That's when Hashem will show me what to answer you. <laughs> How to believe such thing? <sighs> so the Rambam continue. The Rambam says, why exile erase the the crimes and the sin of the people, because it makes a person more humble, down to earth. Why? Who can explain to me why being on a road or moving out of your comfort zone make you more humble? Nobody knows you. You have to rebuild your reputation. Nobody gives you the respect you get in your community. If you're some millionaire from Flatbush and the whole shul bow down to you, everybody knows over here you are the decision maker, and you now move to some shul in South Africa. Nobody knows who you are. Who is this guy came here now, just showed up? They make you sit in a the corner there. Here, there's a chair for you here, plastic chair. Over there. And you're thinking, wow, in my community, they put me on a stage next to the rabbi in a chair like this, Eliyahu Anavice. And over here they give me a folding plastic chair and they, nobody looks at me. It makes you, right away, nothing. Exile, you don't have, it takes you, it's going to take you a few years now to, build, to rebuild your reputation. Because of that, you become more humble. There's no more show off. Nobody care what you do or you don't do. Nobody care about what, who you are. It will take time for people to notice you. Next thing the Rambam say, it's a big praise to a person that repents to confess in public and inform his crimes to the public. I don't understand. We all know that a person that became Baal Tshuva, you're not allowed to remind him his past sins and past crimes. Now you are telling me that he has to come and tell the whole world the crimes that he committed? It's a big contradiction. The answer, absolutely not. He does not confess about any sins that he did in hidden rooms and not modest things and who knows what else. No. Only between men to men. Reuven embarrassed Shimon. Reuven destroyed his business. Reuven did something horrible. He wants Shimon to forgive him. He insulted him in public. So he comes in front of everyone and says, Rabotai, everything I told you about him is not true. I apologize to him in public. That's what it means, to confess in public. Aval, when you want to confess between you and God, you do it quietly. And don't scream. We whisper. You don't want anyone to know what you did in hidden rooms. Plus, it's Chilul Hashem. Chilul Hashem. Also, it will ruin your reputation. Imagine you're a murderer, and now you became a tzaddik. And you come to the shul, ladies and gentlemen, with your permission, I would like to say a few words 
I was uh, in a special unit that the, my job was, you know, all day to go and shoot people in the head. <laughs> I used to get $20,000 a head. And now I'm so ashamed and so, I regret so much what I've done. 300 people I murdered. It does not give me rest at night. Now imagine, what is your chance to ever get married after such a thing? You're 27, and you ask after five years, Rabbi, why nobody gives their daughter to me? What's wrong with me? I'm nice, handsome, tall, rich. I'm very religious. I learn Gemara all day. Why nobody wants to hear about my shidduchim? Do you see something I don't see, Rabbi? Would you give your daughter to someone who killed 300 people? But that, that was not me, it was someone else. I'm a new Baal Shuva. Yeah, go convince the people. So you don't confess your crimes in public. You know how many times girls that did horrible crimes in their past and became Baalot Shuva and I put them in Nidrashiot? They wanted to make a video and tell the world about their experiences. Lucky them, they asked me before. I said, no, don't ever do that. It will destroy your future. No man would want to marry you. If he will find out you used to go with this and that and did that. and No one would want such a... Even if you be very righteous right now. People are close-minded. If they know your history, you're done. No, but I want to do it to inspire other girls that are in my situation. Mother Teresa. She decided to save the world. Two months, she's Baalat Shuva. Already she worried about all the other girls in her situation. Please, not everyone's job is to save the world. Top. <sighs> the Rambam continue. If someone is proud about his Shuva, show off, or cover his crimes, Meaning, he doesn't want to confess in public like he did hurt the person in public or, or, or denies doing wrong, right? Ben, Rak Rambam writes clearly, Rak be'averot she'ben adam lechavero, between men to men. Averot ben adam lamakom eno tzarich lefarsem atzmo. He does not publish himself. And if he will, it's, that's arrogance. That's a sin, to reveal your sins to the whole world. Chilul Hashem, arrogance. Azut panimi lo im gilam, if he revealed them. And I don't have to tell you, az panim la genom. But I thought there was no genom, according to Santa. How does he say every morning when he prays, az panim la genom? Or Medina shall gain on. And then in the evening he denies there is gain on. Huh? <laughs> Even though Tshuva and screaming to Hashem, it's very good. Be'asara yamim, she'ben Rosh Hashanah le'yom Kippur, it's much greater. All here you should cry and, and, and scream to Hashem for mercy. But between Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, it's the highest level. Dirshu Hashem be'imatzo. 
search for Hashem when He's around, when He's right near. That's the individual. Individual. The 10 days is critical for the individual. What about the public group of Jews, Minyan, 10 and up? 10 and up, all year around, if they scream and cry to Hashem and do tshuva, is very high level. Why? Even not in the 10 days. Beminyan. That's the answer to all the people who say, Rabbi, when I pray alone in my bedroom, I have much more focus. Focus or caucus? <laughs> Who's to say that your prayers is being accepted? When you pray alone, they check who you are. And they find a whole list. Find a shul that there's no, not a lot of talking. And if you cannot find, you stand and scream. And you bang, bam, bam. And if it's still not going to help, you come to me, I'm going to send a Kafkazi mafioza guy <laughs> to over that the place to say to the Hasidim, I'm going to watch you all. If anyone will speak in the middle of davening, he will have problem with me. <laughs> and you're going to see Yoili and Mendel all sitting like this. <laughs> they won't even look left and right. Baruch Hashem. Every time I daven with Hasidim, it was wonderful davening. Usually they're very serious in davening. But I hate to generalize. There's great Hasidim, there's not such great Hasidim. Litvish, same thing. Tzfaradi, same thing. Goim, same thing. Some Goim are nicer people, some are horrible. It's everywhere you go, the same story. I found already after so many years that generalizing is one of the dumbest things to do. Dumbest. So, we move on. Yom HaKippurim. That was all now introduction to the actual lecture which began right now. <laughs> Sorry that the introduction was a little long. I was waiting for you, I mean, to show up after so many weeks. So, <laughs> so Yom HaKippurim, which is tomorrow night, Huzman Tshuva Lakol. Is a day is a day of tshuva for everyone. La yachid velarabim to the singular and plural, and uh, and uh, public. And it is the finishing time of the forge forgiveness of the nation of Israel. Slicha Israel. Therefore, everyone must do tshuva. Someone takes Yom Kippur easy, not doing tshuva, not praying, not crying. He adds more crimes to his fight for this chutzpah. The king came all the way to you for you to apologize and you watch a movie or you snore. That's what you do. The king is right here waiting for you to ask for forgiveness. I'm busy. I'm busy. So uh, that's why we do a lot of conf confessions on Yom Kippur, one after the other. If you think, Rabbi, I'm not so bad. There's a lot of terrible things in the list here. I never murder. 
I never went with a married woman. I was never a gay. There's a list of things here that I never did. I never charged interest from a Jew. There's a, a long list in a confession of Yom Kippur. So first of all, it's very possible that some of the things on the list you did not actually commit it. However, there's reasons why it applies to all people. You're not allowed to skip one word of the confession. One, because maybe you influence other people to commit those sins. For instance, if you're a religious person and you knew about someone who charged interest from another Jew and you never said anything, he found in his heart the fact that you're silent, that it's permitted, that it's no big deal. And you become a part of the crime that you didn't rebuke him. Could be your cousin, your brother, your friend. Or if someone has a girlfriend that she's a married woman, even though she's separated from her husband, I mean, he refused to give her a get for 10 years. So she could not stay alone. Woman needs a man. It's hard for her to be. So she started to date someone. And you knew, and you did not break it. Your friend is going with a married woman, which is worse than a murder. Death penalty, cut for the soul, all the nine yard. And you are sleeping at night, snoring very well. Doesn't bother you. So when you say we went with a married woman, or we did Gilui Arayot, you're thinking, I never did Gilui Arayot. Why do I have to say it? You did, you did. You didn't stop him, and didn't stop her, and you... Or when someone comes and tells you that this couple are doing what they do, and it doesn't break your heart, you also shows that you're not, you're not clean. Or it can be you did it in your past life. Or, call Israel Arevim If he does it, you are held responsible for it anyway. Because when someone makes a hole in a boat, everyone drowns with him. He's not the only one who drowned in his room. The whole boat goes down. And if you didn't do it, that's you're really clean. So big deal. So you say, Shem knows you didn't do it. Why are you so worried? You're not going to get punished for something you never actually committed. We all know that Yom Kippurim only helps about sins between men to God. Since between men to men, you have to find, you have, a, you have 20 hours to find all the people that you owe the money. Call them and apologize, they didn't pay it yet. Make a payment schedule. Say, let me give you something, meaning tomorrow, Wednesday morning. Something, a little bit, 5%, something. And then I'm going to try every month to give you something until we finish. But I need you to forgive me now for all the agony and pain I caused you. People that you instigate between them and others, people you insulted, people you disrespected, people that you cheated, all kinds of things. There's a lot of problems can be done. So, people that needed your support and you didn't give it to them, then you have to find them and apologize to them and ask for mechila which is a good opportunity for me to apologize to all the people that expected me to solve their problems and this year I wasn't able to. I'm not God. And uh, sometimes, sometimes people just approach me because they want to let it out. It already helps them. 
soon as they feel they spoke to someone, and I have patience, I listen. Sometimes there's not enough time. It also depends on the timing. If 20 people came in three hours to you with big problems, you help one or two, the time is over. What are you going to do with the other 18? Nothing you can do. One person cannot take care of the whole world, so some people take it personally. To all the Democrats that hate, <laughs> that I hate, that I call the Democrats traders and wicked, what can I do that it's true? But <laughs> 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 I still apologize if you take it personal. I'm nothing personal against anyone. But I only say what the Torah say. And if you support abortions, it's a big crime. Well, that's it. Everything else is extra. This alone is enough. You don't need any more. You know, sometimes when the FBI have a lot of material against the criminal, like 20 different cases, they don't want to waste now 50 years to convict him in 20 cases. They say, he murdered three people, that's enough. Leave the other 19 cases. Sold drugs, robbed the store, you know, touched a woman without permission. That's one year, that's two years. Leave it alone, it's going to take too much resource. Focus on this. You prove he killed three people, he's going to be in, in prison for life. That's it. Leave the other cases. Why wasting taxpayers' money? Right or wrong? Same thing over here. I can give you a list of 50 things that the Democrats do. What for? I just say one thing. They pro-abortion, they pro-murder innocent babies, they are criminals. That's it. I don't want to go into politics. That's enough. Same thing that someone was trying to convince me that a former uh, speaker became very wicked. Until Rav Ovadia Yosef put a ban on him in public, which he never did to any other person. Called him a criminal, Rasha. So that person was trying to convince me that maybe they didn't give Rav Ovadia the right information, he didn't know the whole detail. Beloni. So I said to him, forget Rav Ovadia, now what he said, he didn't say. One question I got for you. This person sue Shomer Shabbos Jews in secular courts every month. True or false? Um, uh, true or false? He already sued six, seven people, it's all over? Yes, he did. Enough. Don't ever mention his name to him. He's Rasha, he's no Lamaba, I cannot count him in a minyan. He's a moiser, worse than a murderer. Don't ever argue with me if he's legit, not legit, should he speak? Forget about it. Why wasting time on endless argument? He's suing Jews in, in a secular court, getting money out of them and make fun? You're not supposed to step in a court. He's suing Jews, Shomre Shabbat, why don't take them to Bedin? Because you're an infidel. If you had a Munah in Hashem, you go to Bedin. And if he doesn't come, the Bedin will forward you to the, to the court. You did it legally. That's the easy way to finish arguments. Like, for instance, when people argue with me about the age of the world. I have a lot of ways to prove that the world is only a few thousand years old. But it will take four hours. So I found a way that takes three minutes. I found one way that said, no, argument is over. What's the proof? You want to know the proof? <laughs> we have a, oh, Hashem, a lot of people now here in the room. We all have to guess how old is Benji. 
So each one of you have to write on a note how old he is. So he starts, Benji is one year old. He say two years old, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, until we get to a hundred. So now we have a hundred opinions how old is Benji. Hundred people, everyone gave a different age. At best case scenario, how many of us could be right? One. So right away, 99 claims goes immediately to the garbage. All scientists, all universities who investigated the age of the world, every research came up with a different age. Three million years, 10 million years old, four billion, 300 billion, all kinds of opinions. If you have thousands of different ages, is it possible they're all right? So you see that the fool of baloney? Why wasting a minute on these fools? If one say three million and the other one say 300 billion. And they all went to the same university and used the same methods. Why would I waste time on them? End of argument. End of argument. I have one more thing to say, but chaval, it's going to take another three minutes. We'll move on. The Rambam continue. The Rambam says, if you ask for your friend for Mechila and he doesn't want, you have to go three times. After three times, yeah, that's it. You fulfill your obligation. No, if he did not forgive you, uh, and you came to him three times, <coughs> the sinner become the person, not you. Until now, you are the criminal, and he is the victim. So you came and asked him, forgive me, please, I'm so sorry for what I've done. I don't want to forgive you, get out of here. You came a week later, get out of here. You came a week later, get out of here. You don't have to go again. The sin goes on him now. Three times wasn't enough for him? Oh. Not talking that you owe him money. You owe him money, you must pay the money. There's no mechila without paying. You must pay. Or at least start the payment schedule. But, okay. So now, if this person is a Talmid Chacham, he knows a lot of Torah, important rabbi, important speakers, an important figure in Judaism, and you insulted him even by one sentence, online, on the phone. You have to go to that person a thousand times and it's still not enough. If he did not forgive you, you are not forgiven. Mess up your entire Yom Kippur. So your life, your eternal life is in the hand of this Chacham. The hand of this Chacham. This uncle of mine that I told you the story about, the, the money, with Rav Ben-Zion Abba Shaul, one time he went to Rav Ovadia Yosef's speech. I found out about it when I drove on the FBR at 2 a.m. at night. I used to have tapes of Rav Ovadia, tapes, old, old tapes, before they invented CDs. Most of you were not born yet. Remember this, the, the, the tapes with the two holes? They gave it to some American spoiled kids. They thought it's some kind of binoculars. Well, I'm a, what is this? <laughs> I saw it before. 
It's an old-fashioned uh, audio. So I used to have the collection of Ravovadia on tapes. I drive home. I'm on the FDR in traffic as usual. And I hear someone say, Ravovadia Yosef speak about the upcoming election that everybody must vote for Shas. Ultra-Orthodox Sephardi Party. Not to vote for secular parties. You vote for them, you cooperate with their crimes against Hashem, which is obvious. Then a genius get up and say, Kvod Arav, excuse me for asking, but if someone vote for Shas, and anyway they go with Netanyahu, with the Likud in the end, isn't it the same? So why not voting directly to the Likud if the religious goes with them anyway? Ravovadia Yosef blood went from a hundred degrees to a hundred million degrees. If probably, if probably Zrap was shooting from his ears when he heard the chutzpah of this man. Shev b'sheket chatzuf, sit and be quiet, you arrogant rasha, in front of 500 people. Why are you asking such question? Sit, be quiet, screaming. I never saw in my life such thing. After I heard it a few times, <laughs> I started to say to myself, this voice sounds very familiar. <laughs> so, oh my God, it's my uncle. <laughs> I call up my aunt. I say, wow. What happened by Ravovadia? I said, wow, don't ask. Oh, it's for 20 days, he's so broken. He's crying all day. Every day he goes to Ravovadia. As for Mechila. So Ravovadia, in the end of the lecture, Ravovadia answered him after he relaxed. He said, if you only knew how many sins we prevent and how much we fight with them. We're going with them, but we're holding them back. Otherwise, they destroyed Israel completely. They want to do pork everywhere, we don't let them. They want to do public transportation, we don't let them. They want to do mamzerim everywhere. They want to make civil marriage. They want to make gay marriage. We fight them. If we will be out... By the way, today you see how much he was right. Three months, there's no religious in the government. They already made more damage than all governments did in seven years. In three months. Everything they can approve quickly, they approve against Hashem. Everything. They destroy Israel completely, completely destroying the yeshivot, destroying everything. So, you know, the question is, what's better? Your enemies is here to be near him and watch him and try to minimize the damage or to let him go free, be far away, and whatever he does, he does. It's a hard question. Some would say this, some would say that. Anyway, my uncle went to him every day. And Rav Ovadia said, how many times you come? I already told you I forgave you. No, no, say again. <laughs> yeah, he had Shamayim, I was afraid. Shortly after that he passed in his 60s. He didn't even make it. Why he passed? Because uh, working in fi with fiberglass in a refrigerator for 40 years, asbestos, you breathe it for 40 years. I already knew a week before he passed, that he has days to live. How did I know? I was by them on Shabbat, 
And he said, let's go and pray by Rav Kaduri. Rav, Rabbi Kaduri was the biggest, oldest Kabbalist in the world. And he was 200 yards from his apartment in a Bukharian neighborhood in Jerusalem, but it's very high, up the hill. You have to go up the hill, 200 yards, very high. You have to walk, it's very hard to walk. He was walking 10 steps, leaning on the wall, <laughs> like this. So, wow, it's so in such a bad shape. Even on the way back, which is down the hill, he couldn't walk more than 10 steps. I came to my aunt, I told her, you know, he's in a very bad condition. Very bad, I don't know, he cannot breathe. You gotta take him to the doctor for a serious test. A week later he passed. It kills the lung, the asbestos. Sometimes you go, you walk in a jar and they kill you over there. What can we do? Now, a person should not be cruel. It will be easy to forgive. Don't be such a pedantic and stubborn and hard and anger, angry. Be easygoing. Forgive easy. And forgive really from the heart. Even if the person hurt you a lot, do not hold any grouch and revenge against him. That's the kosher way of the kosher Jews. The heart is pure, easy to forgive. But the idol worshippers with their impure heart, they're very cruel. And they, re they refuse to forgive. That's their nature. That's what happened with the Givonim. They beg them to forgive. Shaul HaMelech. They beg them. They refuse. They refuse. No. Until his children will die, we're not, we won't relax. Right? If the person you hurt died already, how are you going to ask for Mechila? You're going to take ten kosher people to his grave, stand by the grave, and ask him for Mechila right there. Since when is mitzvah to talk to the wall? Are you speaking to the rock there? To the, to the marble? <coughs> Who is speaking to the dust? No. A part of a person's soul remains in a grave forever. Forever. So you come and say to him, I'm sorry that I've done this and this to you. If he owes him money, write a check and stick it in the sand. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to make sure you up. <laughs> you know, there was, a, there was a, one guy, he said to the priest, Father, Father, I would like you to bury me with my two million dollars. I worked very hard for it. The priest told him, don't you want to donate it to the church? He said, absolutely not. Well, I worked 40 years to give it to the church. So what, you want to take it? Yeah, I want to take it with me to the grave. If I don't have it, no one will have it. You know this kind of people? By the way, the Gemara say, if you can benefit from your friend, and your friend will not lose anything from it. For instance, your friend has a driveway, you're his neighbor, you can make a shortcut from his driveway right to the shul. Otherwise, you have to walk 15 minutes around the whole block, or 30 seconds. 
And he said, I'm sorry, I don't want you to walk on my property. What do you lose? Nothing. Let's say the house is far from the driveway. It doesn't have privacy issues. The house is there and the driveway is here. He doesn't really lose anything. If he refused to let the other person walk there, the Gemara call it Midat Sodom. That's the nature of the people of Sodom. They cruel just for the sake of being evil. If you lose from it, we understand why you don't want. But when you don't lose, why don't you want someone to enjoy from it? So the bad din force you to agree. You enjoy and he's not missing anything. You force him to agree. Today they don't really do it. Don't want you, don't want, nobody can walk on your property. What can you do? Huh? But we should, like I said, so the priest said, you don't want to donate to the, to the, to the church? No. So when the priest buried him, he took the bag with the cash and wrote a check, two million dollars, and he put it. So what are you doing, father? When he would like the money, let him cash the check. <laughs> In the meantime, <laughs> time is running out. And I didn't give you the punchline yet. If a person regrets his mitzvot, I should have not helped this guy. I should have not do this. I should have not given it to him. I should have not invited him. I should have not donated. I should have not. I should have not. He regrets what he have done. Right? Regret. Then what? He, lose, he loses all his mitzvot. Everything. So you can have a guest 10 years in your house eating by you every Shabbos. After 10 years he did something bad to you. And you said, don't come anymore. Okay, don't come anymore. I understand. But now you say to your wife, we should have never invited this person ever. Chaval, it's a shame we invited him. Why, should, why did we even bother with him? Ten years for nothing. That second ten years of hospitality went down the drain. That's why never ever say that you regret a good deed that you, do, that you did. Never. Even if that person turned to be a crook and a snake and an ungrateful and uh, who knows. You did it for Hashem, not for Him. Everything you do, you do for Hashem. You don't do it because it's your brother. You don't do it because he has beautiful eyes. You don't do it for anything. Why you love rabbis? Because you love Hashem. Because they teach the Torah of Hashem. Why you love Talmidei Shivot? Because they learn Torah all day. And Hashem loves it, so you love them. Why you love people that are kind and volunteer and do all kinds of good things to the public? Because you know it makes Hashem happy, because that's what Hashem wants. Why you love converts? Because Hashem said to love them. If Hashem loves them, and the widows, and the orphans, how can I not love them? The idea is, adjust your mind to be like Hashem. 
What he hates, you have to hate. What he likes, you have to like. Once you're going to do it, you will never dress like a clown. And you will never do all kinds of stupid things because you will always think, I am a little Hashem in this world. I represent him. I'm his representative. I'm not allowed to do these things. Prince doesn't do what every kid on a block does. A daughter of Hashem doesn't walk with a tight miniskirt or all kinds of other things that some Jewish girls do. I, how can I do it to Hashem? Not pass. I remember once I was invited to a Saudat Rosh Chodesh in Yankers. They do a Rosh Chodesh meal and a speaker come. They asked me, do you mind that a father and a son will come tomorrow to talk to you? It was a ladies event. Would you agree that a father and a son will come? I said, yeah, why not? I speak to them after the lecture. A man in his 50s and a boy in his 20s came. Americans. But the father is a bal tshuva, the kid is secular. What's the problem? The kid is dating a non-Jewish girl and the father is worried that he's going to marry her. They're already together for a long time. Please speak to him. I started to speak to the boy. After a minute or two or three, the boy said to me, Rabbi, save your breath. You don't need to preach to me. I will never marry her. I love her very much. She's been very good to me. She's a great person. If it was up to me, I would really want to marry her. But I will never do it. I say to him, many people thought so. And in the end, they got married. You know, one thing leads to another. He said, no, no, not by me. It will never happen. I say to him, why? He said, I can never do such a thing to my father. I know it's going to kill him. My father is a good, righteous man. He always been good to me. I will never be able to do such a thing to my father. And I saw in his body language that he meant every word. So I say to the father, what you worry about probably won't happen. How do you know? I told him the conversation, what happened. This is how you have to think when it comes to Hashem. How can I do it to Hashem? Like Yosef said to Eshet Potiphar. If you begin to think like this, how can I do it to Hashem? You're going to become a huge tzaddik. Very big. The shofar of Rosh Hashanah, we already spoke about it, how it's supposed to wake you up, to get scared, to direct, to make your way straight, to live the horrible, crooked ways. And it, the concept of Elul and the 10 days of Tshuva is always Tzedakah, Tzedakah, Tzedakah. Lots of Tzedakah. Why? Tzedakah is the best insurance. Tzedakah, Tatsil Mimavet. The more you give, one thing I never understand. There are some people, they are poor. They live week by week. It's, they depend on a government check. They depend on a weekly pay, payment. How much tzedakah you can get from people like this? hundred dollars a week, it's already a lot. But there are people who have hundreds of millions. Some has billions. Or even tens of millions. Or even few millions. They're already wealthy people. Everything they need, they have a home. They have an opportunity with the 10, 20, 50, 100 millions that they have on the side 
to give a lot of tzedakah every week, thousands every week, thousand, five thousand, ten thousand, every week. Like this. It won't even change nothing in their life. It's a hundred million. Is it going to change if he's going to give 20,000 a month to tzedakah? It won't even change anything. So when he dies, instead of a hundred million, he'll have 98. That's really more or less what's going to happen. And by the way, what I just say, it's heresy. Who can tell me why? Before I'm going to put myself in my blacklist. <laughs> this was heresy. Why? Chazaku Baruch. The Gemara said a statement. Le'olam en adam me'anim in Never ever it happened and will never happen. That a person will become more poor than what he is now by giving tzedakah. Impossible. Must return to you from a back door a year later, three years later. How does Hashem give you back your charity? Either increase your income, another deal, another that. A good deal came to your hand, was supposed to go to someone else and Hashem directed it to you. Or He cuts from your losses. Cut from your losses. I give you an example. You were already scheduled to have a surgery which will cost you $60,000. Someone told you, go to this rabbi, he's going to give you a bracha. You went to that rabbi, he gave you a bracha, and he said to you, don't go to a surgery, everything will be fine. It happened thousands of times. And, the, and, the, and then you went and did another x-ray and they told you everything is gone. We don't understand. You're good. Right there, it's $60,000. You gave tzedakah, came back to you. Plus the agony and the pain and the suffering and who knows. There's many ways your engine was supposed to die next week. Nobody knows, only Hashem. You give somebody $5,000, the engine would drive another 20 years now. If you don't believe me, I'll tell you the famous story. We had a guy in our yeshiva, the number one of all time, Matmid, devoted like this, you never saw. Doesn't stop learning. He had a little tiny Toyota Corolla. It was made before Israel was made. <laughs> Older than Israel. How did he drive this car to Brooklyn, to New Jersey, back and forth? Keeps driving and driving. He learns Torah, yeshiva, home, yeshiva, his wife uses it, drive the kids. For years like that. This is the only person in the history of New York State, in my opinion, that renews his driver's license without going to the motor vehicle. I asked him, how, how can it be? So I asked someone else to do it. And he did it, and they agreed. So it cannot be. You have to go. They take picture. They check your eyes. What do you mean? Somebody else can renew the driver. Hashem knows I don't want to waste time. I learn Torah all the time. I said, I never believed in my life. If you wouldn't tell me the story, I would never believe if somebody else would tell me. Yes, I made a license without going to New City, wasting four hours of your time to go there and sit online. So, one time he decided to make Aliyah to Israel. The best decision he ever made. Today, 15 years later, he is Af Bedin in Bet Shemesh, the head of the Jewish court. Shochet, Moel, 
וסופר תפילין אל מזוזות. He's the guy who goes with me when we go to search for the best תפילין, best סופרים. He's the number one expert. Knows everyone, everyone knows him, everyone respects him. זה very important חכם. לא, he didn't take the Toyota to Israel. He sold the Toyota to another guy in our yeshiva. That was also a tzaddik. But tzaddik like that guy that never wasted a minute, you don't find. Yeah, the guy is okay, he comes, he learns. I was thinking to myself, the day that he made Aliyah, and the new guy told me I bought his car. I was thinking to myself, I wonder how fast this car will go on flame. Because I know the only reason this car was driving and driving and driving is because this guy is so devoted for the Torah and the Torah say, Melechen Tzadikim Naaset Bidei Acherim. The acts of the, the, of the righteous people are done by others. Or it also say, Kol Amkabel Al Atzmo Ol Torah Ma'avirim Imeno Ol Derech Eretz. Everyone who say, Hashem, put the Torah with the full weight on my shoulders. I'm ready for it. I give my life for the Torah. Every other miscellaneous in life, errands, are taken away from you. All going to be done for you. Don't have to worry, no reserve, wasting time on shiduchim, nothing. Just focus on the Torah, everything will be done for you. And it's so obvious. You see it, I see it throughout the years. Everything are done for these people. Everything. What happened the next day I come to the yeshiva? I see the whole neighborhood is smoke. <laughs> the hood is open. <laughs> that old Toyota from the time of the Ottoman Empire. <laughs> It's all the radiator exploded. This guy, his name was Yitzchak. Can you believe it? Just yesterday I bought a car. I said, you bet I believe it. What did you expect this car to drive? Say, drive for Rav Eliyahu? Say, you think you're Rav Eliyahu? <laughs> for him, Hashem had miracles every minute. That's what I'm saying. So when a person gives tzedakah, Hashem gives it to him from here, from there. All kinds of direct. One, one person wanted to sue him. Give you an example. The government decided they want to sue him for $10 million. They claim he didn't pay enough taxes. So they send it to a, a supervisor review. The supervisor check all the details. Hashem puts in his mind, not guilty. Put a release. I just released it. This person doesn't know that he was under investigation. And they decided not to start. One day when he dies, Hashem said, you know how much tzedakah you gave? Yeah, a lot, Hashem. How much? Twelve million dollars. I want to show you that you gave nothing. <coughs> not one penny came out of your pocket. What? You see? Ten million dollars right here. They were right. You had to pay it to them. But because you gave it to Tzedakah, I saved you from them. 
Why do you think I'm going to make you lose twice? The Gemara says Rabbi Yochanan had two nephews. One time he goes to sleep and he had a dream that his two nephews would lose 700 coins of gold, which is a lot of money. Coin of gold is about one ounce, it's $2,000. 2,000 multiplied by 700 is how much? 1.4 million dollars. A lot of money. So, Rabbi Yochanan immediately called his two nephews. Come here. I want you to give my yeshiva 683 coins of gold tzedakah donation. Why, Rabbi? You never ask for anything. It's urgent. Trust me, we need it. Can you do it? We can say no to you, uncle. If you call us and say it's urgent, here is the money. They went and got the money. The next day, the Roman police, the Romans were in charge in Israel. They collect tax. They come to him. Hi, sir. The Caesar order you to pay 700 coins of gold penalty for not paying taxes and this and that. They ran quickly to Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi, uncle, look what just happened to us. Just yesterday we gave 683 coins of gold. Now they want 700. The rabbi said, don't you worry at all. When the, when the policeman will come once again, give him a gift, 17 coins of gold. Put it in a plate, say, that's for you. And that will be the last you ever hear from them. You sure about this? They want 700. What is going to help 17? Just do as I said, and you can sleep well at night. He came the next day. No? Did you prepare the 700? Here. 17 coins of gold for you, buddy. Here. Looks. Case dismissed. He came back to Rabbi Yochanan. How did you know? What is this? You're a prophet. Not a prophet. And not a son of a prophet. How did you know this amount? He said... They showed me at night in a dream that you're about to lose 700 coins. Immediately, I wanted to save you from losing the money to the end of this wicked empire. That's why I told you give it directly to Torah. At least you get something out of it. So they say to him, you knew that we're going to lose 700, so why did you tell us to give 683? You should have told us to give all 700. He said, then I will never know if the dream came through or not. Now I see that it was a message from Shammai. <laughs> That's why I told you, leave 17. When the guy will come, you give him 17. Now it's exactly 700. So you really lost 17. But you gave 683 to Yeshiva, which makes you billions of mitzvot every year. Literally, billions of mitzvot every hour. 60,000 mitzvot for each guy. Imagine if there was one rich guy that sponsored the whole Lakewood Yeshiva, BMG. 7,000 people, 
multiply by 60,000 mitzvot. Who can do a quick math? How much is 60,000 multiplied by 700? Huh? No? 42 million mitzvot an hour. At 7,000. Oh, we said 7,000. You're right. So it's 420 million mitzvot every hour. Multiply by at least 10 hours a day. Right? So how much is that? 4.2 billion mitzvot per day. If you sponsor the whole yeshiva. Now you tell me. Somebody like this would sponsor the yeshiva 34 years. And he comes to Olam Abba. He passed Moshe Rabbeinu by a hundred times more. Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu had hundreds of trillions of mitzvot. Ah, you always have to rule the party. He knows everything, this guy. But that's okay. Moshe Rabbeinu benefits from every Torah someone learned. It doesn't come from his account. So if someone sponsored the yeshiva and the yeshiva will learn Torah, Moshe Rabbeinu cut a coupon on their Torah as well. <laughs> Every one of you came tonight, gave Moshe Rabbeinu three hours of Torah to his account. Imagine his account, how big it is. 3,300 of Torahs all over the world. Huh? Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> When you put on a scale, when you put on a scale the mitzvot of a person and his sins, mitzvot on one side, sins on the other side, you do not put on a scale the first time a person committed that sin. And also not the second time. Look how merciful Hashem is. If you committed that sin third time, now it's chazaka. That becomes your status. You are a sinner in this manner. Now you get from the third one, they add everything else. If you have more sins than merits, right? Then you're wicked. If you have more merits than sin, then you're on the righteous side. Right? What happened to all the sins that were already forgotten, meaning forgiven? They were deleted from your file. They don't put, they don't, they don't put them on a scale. They don't exist. And if they're turned into mitzvot, because you did tshuva me'ava, they move it to the other side of the scale. Some mitzvot are huge. One mitzvah sometimes can be equal like a million other mitzvot. I give you an example. You washed your hands a million times for netilat yadaim in your lifetime. You like to eat a lot of bread. Every hour, kvod arav pizza. No, kvod arav baguette. No, kvod arav falafel. Kvod arav chala with margarine. Kvod, every hour, yeah. No. So how many times? Do it. 70 years, 10 times a day. Baruch Hashem. You wash your hands almost a million times. 
One hour of learning Torah is already greater than all of that. Here, tonight you did already more than a million etilat yada. 60,000 multiplied by, uh, by one hour, 60,000 mitzvot. But limut Torah keneged kulam. It's much higher than to wash your hands. This is just an example that you can put one mitzvah here, and then there's, a, there's one mitzvah equal like a million of these mitzvot. If you make one Baal Tshuva, even if it only cost a dollar, so you gave him a CD, it happens many times. People give CD to someone, and it became religious fully. This one dollar, it was a mitzvah of charity, of chesed, of rebuking a person. It's few mitzvot. Giving a CD or a book, my book, Divine Information, handing it to a person, you make a lot of mitzvot from the Torah. A lot. Let's count together from what I can remember from the top of my head. First, mitzvah chesed. Chesed. Second, rebuke. Ocheach tochiach et amitecha. Third, ve'ahavta l'reacha kamocha. Fourth, l'fnei ver lo titen michshol. Five, maaser. You give it from the maaser. Charity. That's already five mitzvot from the Torah. Five mitzvot from the Torah. Six, you teaching another Jew Torah. Teaching Torah. It's mitzvah Talmud Torah. Already six mitzvot you have. Right? I can count for you another, probably another five or six, if we go on through the entire Tariag mitzvot. So you take a, a one dollar CD or, or, US, or a USB and you give it to a person or a book. You already made a lot of mitzvot from the Torah before he became religious. Now when he watched the film Torah and Science, four hours, four hours multiplied by 60,000 mitzvot, 240,000 mitzvot went to his account and went to your account. Right there. That's if he will remain secular. Now what happened if he became Shomer Shabbat? All the Shabbatot in his life goes to your account. If he starts giving charity to yeshivot, every time he writes a check, it's like you gave the check. You get the credit. He puts tefillin every day, count like you put tefillin. He made Birkat Amazon, count like you made Birkat Amazon. He's retailing, he count like you retailing. He comes to shul and pray an hour every morning, count like you pray in an hour. All of that, you got one trillion mitzvot in the next 40 years for one dollar. The price of a gum. Do you still need more proof why you should invest all your money in Kiruv? Or you got the point finally? Don't be greedy. It's enough. <laughs> they want more now. Yes? What do you think about Chabad that they're all about Kiruv, but they make the Balkram sin to do Kiruv? Like they take the Balkram to the beach and like they knock on doors where the girls open like, like you know, your bunker is not supposed to go on the street. Your bunker is supposed to be, you know, in the base measures. Look, we have a rule. We're not allowed to do to to actually do a mitzvah while making a sin at the same time, because mitzvah ba be'averai na mitzvah. 
So if you know in advance for sure that while you're going to do a mitzvah, you actually will fail by committing some sins from the Torah. You go to non-modesteria and the girls are not dressed, they're obviously not allowed to do it. But if the place is known to be a clean place, you had no way to know. So you look, you go by the probability. Most likely, there's not going to be a sin done. We try to do a kiruv and do something positive. And then while you do it, a test came to your eyes. So you have to control yourself. Who told you to look? Today, if, you, if we go by your question, no one is allowed to leave their house. I mean, it's usually like in the Hasidic community, people don't leave their house. They stay in. Okay, the Chazonish, they ask him a few times, should I leave the yeshiva and go do kiruv in houses of secular people? So the Chazoni say, someone who sits and learns Torah makes Baalei Tshuva just like those who go and speak to them. Because without the Torah of all the learners, no one from the nation of Israel will have the merit to even listen. The fact that you have so many Baalei Tshuva every year in the world is thanks to the Torah of the Yeshivot. Still need people to go do the job that knows how to do it. If you want to ask me, since you mentioned Chabad, I have a different problem with Chabad. Going to try to do Kirov is fantastic. It's great. We just spoke about how great is Kirov. The methods of how to do Kirov, I completely disagree with the way they do Kirov. And I'll tell you why. You don't have to agree with me. I love them. They're all my friends right here. You are a witness. They always call me when there is a party there. Has shalom not to think that I have anything personal against anyone. I'm not speaking personally against anyone. I'm just talking about the right approach to do Kiruv, to come to big sinners, Mechalelei Shabbat, people that live with a wife without mikveh, or live with a goya, or eat refort, or who knows what else they do, and to come and tell them, don't worry, Hashem loves you, every one of you is a tzaddik, there's no such thing wicked Jews, that's actually the opposite of what the Torah says, and also the opposite of what the Rambam says and the opposite of what the Zohar say, and the opposite of what Shulchan Aruch say. There's actually no source for it. To come to a Mechalel Shabbat and say, you have nothing to worry. All Jews go to heaven. It's the opposite of what the Torah say. The Torah say they are righteous, and they are wicked. And the Rambam right here, the Rambam, in chapter 7, in Ilchot Shuvah, the Rambam writes, the Rambam writes about the Tshuva, Alacha 6, Perek Shvi. Gdola Tshuva shemekarevet et ha'adam l'shechina. Tshuva is great, what it makes a person close to Hashem. Shene'emar, as it's written, Tshuva Yisrael ad Hashem Elokecha, return Israel all the way to your God. Ve'ne'emar, ve'lo shavtem adai no'um Hashem, you did not return all the way to me yet, the speech of God. And also it's written, Im tashuv Yisrael neum Hashem elai tashuv. If you return, make sure to return to me. Meaning, the Rambam say, Klomar, Im tachzor betshuva bitidabek. If you will repent, you will be attached to me. Hatshuva, repentance, mekarevet et arechokim, brings those who are far from Hashem closer to Him. Yesterday, meaning before he did tshuva, yesterday he was hated by Hashem. 
שנוי לפני המקום, משוקץ, דספיקבול, מרוחק מניפושט אווי, ותועבה, אבמיניישן, בדם ליין, cannot be worse than that. שם cannot look at him. Definitely he doesn't love him, and definitely he doesn't go to heaven, and to call him a tzaddik is a big crime, because it makes Hashem very angry to call such people tzaddikim. The Rambam continue, והיום, after he became Baal Tshuva, and today, הוא אהוב, he's loved, ונחמד, nice, קרוב, close, וידיד. became a friend of Hashem, he loves him, crazy about him, so much in love with him. What do you see? That they are righteous and they are wicked. And I can give you 5,000 examples like this from the Tanakh and from the Gemara, non-stop examples. To come to say to sinners, you are tzaddikim, it's a big crime. And that's my problem with them. You should never tell the people you are tzaddikim. You should tell the people, I came to show you the truth of Hashem. They should never tell people there's no such thing punishment because it's a lie. Because Hashem punish. They should never say the Holocaust, we don't know why it happened. We know. Hashem punished us. He didn't give us a prize. He didn't give us a kiss. He did not give us a reward. He killed millions of our people in a worse way. There was... A moment of anger, serious judgment. We do not know exactly what are the sins that Hashem was angry the most. But we know there was Chilul Shabbat and abomination and intermarriage and eating not kosher and sinat chinam and racism among Jews. And people went to universities and heretics and, and infidels and there's millions of other problems. And all of them together are responsible why Hashem almost wiped all of us out. To come and say, Hashem is not punishing, we don't know why the Holocaust happened, that's heresy. That's kfira. Someone that speaks like this, you cannot count him as one of the minyan. Now, of course, I'm not generalizing. I'm not. I have a lot of Hasidim of Chabad, my fans. I was in Milano, Milan, in Italy. There was one mashgiach there in an ice cream place. He came to me and said, look at me, I'm Chabadnik, I'm your biggest fan. You are the real Chabad, he told me. Because you teach what Baalatania say. They teach whatever they want. He talked about some of them in, in, in Milano that made me problems, they didn't want me to come there. So they were bad-mouthing me. Don't invite him, don't let him speak. It's not the way. You know, okay, you have your way, I have my way. My way is the truth, your way is not the truth. Guarantee. Not because it's me, I'm just reading. All my 26 years, I only read the sources, nothing else. I never the credit, I never invented anything, I did not say something that was not known before me. Nothing, I'm not taking any credit. One thing I do take credit for, I never moved them uh, one millimeter from the text. What Chazal say, what Shulchan Aruch, what the Rambam say, I don't make up stuff. I'm not pretending to be a new prophet, renovating the Torah, modifying the text, switching it over just to find favors in the eyes of the criminals. No. I have to tell them exactly what's going to be their end. 
100%. And I will tell you a story about this. And again, it's nothing personal, and I'm not generalizing. There's all different kinds. Just because they all belong to one group doesn't mean they all do the same thing. I used to give a lecture in a real estate office 20-something years ago in Jamaica, in Queens. One of the people over there is my Baal Tshuva. He worked in that office. He said, I want you to come every Friday between 12 and 2 and make a lecture to all the people in the office. More than 50 boys and girls Israelis in their 20s. They all work in real estate. They're in, in a real estate office. I came first week. I had an overhead projector with transparencies. I started to prove one proof after the other that the Torah is from Hashem. can never be written by a human being. Next lecture, I started to talk about the purpose of life and that. Third lecture, I spoke about Shabbat. What, what does it mean to be Mechalel Shabbat? Bigger crime than a murder, bigger, punish, bigger punishment than a murderer. Mechalel Shabbat count like a goy. All the sources from Shulchan Aruch. Not me, it's all Shulchan Aruch. My whole lecture is built on halachot uh, in Shulchan Aruch. I just read it to them. Cannot bury him in a Jewish cemetery. If he touch the wine, you have to dump it. All these things, they got the shock of their life. So everyone in the office already is doing tshuva. They already have mincha in Arvit. Three weeks, three weeks. They have mincha in Mayriv in the office. People with kippot praying mincha in Arvit. The guy cut his ponytail. Then one guy left the Goya. One guy ordered filling for me. Two girls started to dress with dresses. They used to dress with tights. A revolution in the office. The fourth time I came, the fourth Friday, now I'm used to it when I come, more than 50 of them waiting in a conference room. There's a huge long table. They're all waiting for me. Four times I came, I see everyone is in his stand with the phone. The office is half empty. This guy on the phone. This guy turned his face from me. This guy doesn't say hello to me. In front of me, I see the two girls who already started to dress like rabbit sands. Back to the to the tides. Never in my life believe something like this can happen. I said, what happened here? Okay, am I dreaming? I came to my friend, Shalom. What's going on here? I walked to the conference room, five people sitting. Not 50, five. I said, Shalom, what happened today? He said, don't ask. The last time you were here, an hour or two later, two guys from Chabad came here. And they asked them, tell me, is it true that the Torah says Mechalel Shabbat Motiumat? God forbid! Who told you such a thing? There's no such thing punishment. Is it true that Mechalel Shabbat gets cut from the afterlife and Ichreta Nefeshai? God forbid! You should not listen to that person. That's not the way of the Torah. That's not the way to do Kiruv. Is it true that this, is it true everything they deny, deny, you all righteous, Hashem loves you, there's no such thing, punishment, all Jews got to heaven, all of them went back to be going. That's right there, 50 souls. Now multiply it by 30 years all over the world with this kind of words and see how many victims. Kills me. Kills me to say it. So that's the biggest problem. The biggest problem to come to people that already shomer mitzvot and call, cool them off.
and tell them you have nothing to worry, God loves you. Immediately they go back to be Mechalelei Shabbat. For that we have to cry for a thousand years. To come to people and say there's no such thing Gehenom, even though it's mentioned 133 times in the Gemara. It's mentioned in Tanya. Tanya is your funder. You rebel against him? If I'm a fan of Rav Benzion Abba Shaul, will I dare to say one word against his books? The books say something and I would say the opposite? And he's not Balatanya. Okay? No rabbis in today's world is Balatanya, 250 years ago. Let's put it that way. If the Chabad of today would follow the Balatanya, I'll be the number one Chabadnik. <laughs> yeah. And I would preach for everyone to join this group. Yeah, the Malachim in Williamsburg, they go from the fifth to Babachirebi only. Only to the fifth? Yeah. I never heard this first time I ever heard yeah, it. <laughs> only yeah, to the fifth? I never heard about that. That's interesting. You know about it? I never heard of it. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. And again, nothing is personal. Maybe they mean well. Maybe they, they think they see things different. I don't know what they do. But I'm just telling you, everyone who comes to wicked people has to be very careful never to give them one compliment. Open Orchot Sadikim, chapter 24. Hanufa, way of the righteous, Orchot Sadikim. See what he says over there by giving compliments to people that Hashem hates. The, this is the most important Musar book in Judaism. It's a thousand years ago. All the Musar books came from Orchot Sadikim. I have a whole series about it. Chapter 24, it's Hanufa. And Hanufa, if you come to a Mechalel Shabbat and you say to him, you're a great man, you become a criminal. Read over there. Why? Hashem is angry at him for rebelling against him and throw the covenant to the garbage and you run to kiss him? If someone spits at your father, you run to hug him? If somebody spits at your father or your father begs someone to do something and he laughs at him in his face and he's ungrateful to your father, and you run right there and hug him and tell him, you're great. I love you. You're great. You're a tzaddik. What does it show Hashem that you hate him? If someone spits at Hashem and you run to hug him, if you run to hug Yair Lapid and Avigdor Lieberman in Machshimam, all these reshaim, that they have one mission, to destroy the Torah and to destroy Judaism and marry all of us with Goim and make us all gays. That's what they give their life for. If you want to compliment them and hug them and sit with them and shake their hands, what does it show? That you are an enemy of Hashem. Someone that hugs the Hamas is French, Italian, is from Norway, who cares? European, run and hug the Hamas. Do you find a difference between him and the Hamas? He knows they murder children, he knows they shoot rockets at civilians. And you run and hug him and give him a suitcase full of cash. There's a difference between him and him. That's a murderer and that's a supporter of murder. If you run to hug Mechalelei Shabbat, you are a supporter of criminals against Hashem. It's not me. It's not my idea. I would never come up with this idea until I read all the Musar books, especially Orchot Tzadikim. 
So if you don't want to accept what's written in the books, why are we even arguing? Can I even argue? Yes, you have to do everything you can to bring them. You don't want to right away attack them. You first have to prove to them and invite them and do whatever you can to run 70 years after a rasha to make him a tzaddik. That's what the Zohar said. Seven years. And you made one of them tzaddik, it was already worth it for you. Seven years of suffering to make one Jew a Baal Tshuva. But the only way to make Jews Baal Tshuva is to put fear in their heart. Not just love. Not just illusions and imaginations. Fear. You have to fear. I'm a criminal. I'm killing. I'm speaking Lashonara. I'm ruining people's life. I'm a Khalil Shabbat. I'm an idol worshiper. I sell drugs to kids. I kill them. If you won't understand your consequences of your action, how are you ever going to stop? If a, if, a, if a mass murderer finds out that the United Nations wants to give him a medal, like Yasser Arafat, Nobel Prize, give me one reason why Arafat will stop killing people. If the stupid world wants to give him and Hussein Obama a Nobel Prize winner, why, why would they stop pushing Islam and helping Iran? Why? The only way a person may stop is when you tell them, you continue with what you do. In the end, we will hand you the bill. And you're going to pay for everything you ever did. Now one of them you get away with. Now he begins to get scared. That's how I became a bad shuva. My cousin told me, you believe in the Ten Commandments? I say yes. He says, so according to the Ten Commandments, you are worse than Yasser Arafat. <laughs> I say to him, how did you come up with such an idea? He asked me what crime he commits. I say, he's a murderer. And what crime you commit? So what, which one? Say, you Mechalel Shabbat. I say, you compare Mechalel Shabbat to a murderer? Are you out of your mind? What secular people knows about Shabbat? For them, it's a picnic day. I don't understand the Chlal. It's such a crime. He said to me, who say not to murder? Hashem. Who say not to be Mechalel Shabbat? Hashem. Which one of the two crimes he give a much bigger punishment to a person for being Mechalel Shabbat? What does it tell you? That you are a bigger criminal than him. Now go and check if the Torah is from Hashem. If it's from Hashem, how can you live another minute with such being such a criminal? And if it's not from Hashem, then you do whatever you want. Go to a seminar and check. After such a thing, I thought to myself one thing. Baruch Hashem, stupid I wasn't. And I was thinking mathematically in my mind. He told me one more sentence. He told me, let's analyze the situation. You live in America, you're happy with your life. I live here in Yerushalayim, I'm happy with my life. I go to yeshiva, I have a few students, I learn all day, I have great family, wife, children, I love the neighborhood, we're all religious here, I enjoy every minute of my life. You enjoy your life in America, doing business, enjoying New York, I enjoy Yerushalayim, we both happy people. We both died, according to you, we become sand. I enjoy my life, you enjoy your life, we are even. But if I'm right, 
and the Torah is from Hashem, we both die, I will enjoy for eternity according to the promise of the Torah and you will suffer for eternity. Is this enough for you to go and check? How can you sleep at night after this? That's when you need to be clever. If you're stupid, you're going to go back to your, your normal life. You forget two hours later, you don't remember what was said. But if you're smart, secular, but you have a, you have a sechel, you think. You say, I, I remember when leaving the conversation. By the way, I remember my father called me 30 times through that conversation. Look how the Satan was trying to do everything he can to distract me. Because I told my father I'm going to be home at 6 p.m. And they, I didn't know they invited the whole family for me. And it was already 8, 8.30 and I'm still in Jerusalem. And every 20 minutes my father called me, where are you? Everyone is here. But I was so fascinated by the conversation. Because I understood this is a moment of life on death. If he's right, I was thinking to myself, I'm finished. If he's wrong, no, I'm released. I can go back to the beach. But if he's right, I will be destroyed. He put fear in my mind. That was the only way to take a person in one hour to turn him to a bad tshuva. That's what we've been doing for 26 years. Person come to one or two lectures, and you see right away in my lectures, one, two, maximum three, person is on the way. I don't have 20 years time to waste time to invite them for Kiddush. He comes with his Goya, with his ponytail, 20 years. Come for Kiddush, hi, hi Mendel, hi, hi, how are you? 20 years, the same guy, same thing, nothing changed. Comes with a car, nobody say anything, not allowed to come with a car. 20 years with the Goya, 20 years the same business. This is, this is the way to do Kiruv. Kiruv, you have to shake the heart of a person. You have to show him how much Hashem loves the Jewish nation, how much Hashem promised us, how much we can earn, but you have to tell them how much we're going to pay. And if you don't do it, you go against Hashem. And what's the proof of that? Rashi. Rashi in Parashat Acharemot, the first Rashi. Rashi said there are two kinds of doctor. One said to the patients, don't drink cold and don't be in a cold place, you may get sick. The second doctor said the same thing, but he added one more sentence. Don't do that and don't do this, that you may get sick and you die like this guy who did it and die. Rashi asked which one of the two doctors is productive? The second one. Because he put fear in, him, in the mind of the patients. Don't do it, because if you do it, you'll die. Today, it's not in style to put fear in people's mind. It's not popular. But what can I do that that's what Hashem said to do? Who cares about popularity? Today, it's not popular to marry men and women anymore. So what are we going to do? You suggest that we're going to stop getting married because it's not in style anymore? What do you suggest? We have to stick to the original way of the Torah. We have no permission to modify the Torah. We are not reformed. We cannot do what we feel is right. One person told me, no, but we're afraid to turn them off. You can only turn off someone that is on. These people are off from the minute they're born. They're off. All their life they're off. They don't keep one mitzvah here. 
only do bad. How can you turn them off? They're going to get angry at you, and they're going to leave the lecture in the middle. A week later, they won't remember anything anyway. It's either now or never. What promise are you ever going to see him again? It's now or never. You either save him now, or we're back to square one as he was. To make it worse, you can't. This is the way the Satan fooled the speakers. Fooled the speakers. You know, some people are afraid of me. <laughs> they say I'm fanatic, extremist. But I'll tell you a story. About 18 years ago, I lost a lot of money and I left with no, with no money. And I never charge for my lectures. That's a rule by me. I come, whenever they invite me, I come for free. But I had two months that I really had no money for anything. So my friend was related to an American organization in New York. That they do Kiruv, they do Shabbatons. And they paid, back then, they paid the speaker $800 a speech. It's like 2000 today, 18 years ago. He said, I'm gonna make you a meeting with them. Let them schedule you on lectures. At least you're gonna make $800, three, four lectures a week. We'll keep you going until you're back, you'll be back on your feet. So since it's an emergency, even though I hate to do it, I'm not in the liberty now to, to make conditions. Let me go. It was July, middle of July. I went to meet the guy who was in charge of placing all the speakers in lectures. I showed him how many people I have, my website, you know, try to make some good impression. He didn't know me so well. He said to me, okay, I'm going to try to make you a lecture, I, don't, I think it was Monday, another two, three days from now. They will be in the city, not far from Monsi. I said, fantastic. You see, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, doesn't call. Called him back. I'm anxiously now waiting for them to place me in lectures. He said to me, hey, give me a few more days. It's a little bit hard. Another week, nothing. I stopped by the office. When you're anxious, you're pushy. I showed up. Wow, it looked like you saw the devil. <laughs> oh, yeah, Rabbi, hi. So listen, it's two weeks since we met. I thought I'm going to be busy with lectures here. He said to me, well, to be honest with you, it's summertime. I don't think I'll be able to set you up in a lecture until the end of August. Meaning July, August, they don't have one lecture to all their speakers. They have none. They didn't, why people go away? Summertime. I say to him, listen, I have every night a lecture without doing telemarketing. I'm going to make the lectures. You don't have to make them for me. You just give me per lecture, whatever you want, even half. He got so insulted. What? You have lectures in the summertime? I say, even two a day if I want. I'm going to make the lectures. After the lecture, once a week, you give me for the lectures. He got so upset, never answer my phone calls again. Instead of being happy that I'm very active and have so many lectures, he got so insulted because they raise $20 million a year and they don't have one lecture in two months. And they tell people that they do Kiruv. Beloni, no Kiruv, no nothing. Money goes directly to the garbage. And when they finally do Kiruv, maybe they make five ballet shuva here. No, not, I'm not saying the name. But you get the point? 
The point is the more aggressive you are, the more strong you are, the more the people that are honest, they run after you. The more they're going to come. You know what? I used to give lecture to the Israeli and Bukharian kids by Dina Moshe, Benji Binder. Sometimes I used to come and say, today we're going to learn about this topic. I started 10 minutes. They used to say, Rabbi, no, no, change, change. Give us punches to the face. <laughs> We're not for this. We need somebody to give us punches to save us. Do you know how many of them are big Talmidei Chachamim today? Some of them are big rabbis. One of them is in our yeshiva in Monsi. He doesn't stop learning. Super genius. I cannot stand next to him in Torah. He's such a big Talmid Chacham. Everybody admires him already. Even the Ashkenazim of Monsi, they know already this Bukharian guy is a big Talmid Chacham. He used to sleep, fall asleep in my lecture. I used to, it's on a video how I used to scream at him. You have to see him today. You won't believe. And not only him, we have over 10, 15 like this that came out of this lecture. Why? Aggression. People over there realize if I stay the way I am, I'm going to be lost. They all changed. They all became Baalei Tshuva. And that's what Hashem said. And by the way, that's the style of Moshe Rabbeinu. I did not invent it. Read Sefer Dvarim. The whole Sefer Dvarim is punishments and fear. I want to tell you something. If Moshe Rabbeinu would come today back to life, I don't think you have five shoes in the whole world that will allow him to speak there. Every shul, the board will vote against Moshe. It's too radical. It's too scary. It's too fanatic. He talks about death. He said that some people would lose their share to the world to come. Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu will not be able to speak in many places. You should know that. Why? Because this is the way the world became. You cannot say the truth anymore. You cannot say the truth. As soon as you say the truth, they get angry. Why are you so aggressive? The Rambam say, if I have to say, this is the introduction of the Rambam to the Mishnayot. The Rambam say, if I have to say the truth of the Torah for the one superb Jew, even in a price of 10,000 fools that would listen, and at the same time will get upset and run away from the truth, meaning become worse. I will do everything I can to save the one and get him released from the court of the evil inclination because it's a rule by us. The truth must be told regardless of the reaction of the fools. Let them get angry. Let them run away. Who cares? Because there are fakers around. I'm not going to say the truth to the, to the one authentic, honest Jew that wants to find out the truth. Because I'm worried what the faker is going to say. That's the right approach? In a dream. That's not the right approach. So I would like to conclude. The last thing for today we should know. The Rambam gives a list of people who, God forbid, lose their share to the world to come. I read it and we'll finish right here. Those are the Jews who do not have a share to the world to come. 
ראדר, נכרתים, they get cut, ועובדים, and get destroyed, ונידונים, and being judged, על גודל רשעותם, for their horrible, wicked way, and חטאתם, and their sins. לעולם ולעולמי עולמים, forever and ever. Who are we to come to say to someone you have nothing to worry about? Shem loves you. You're righteous. What happened to the Rambam? It's not good anymore. What happened to Halakha? Nikhratim v'ovdim get destroyed and judged for eternity. Who are they? Aminim. Minim. Apikorsim. People who denies the Torah, denies the oral Torah. Say Moshe Rabbeinu made up some stuff. I don't believe in Kabbalah, I don't believe in Gemara, I don't believe in this, I don't believe in that. Akofrim b'Torah, the infidels, heretic. Akofrim b'Tchiyat HaMetim. People say, I don't believe there will be resurrection of the dead. Ubeviyat HaGoel, they don't believe in Mashiach. You really believe there's going to be Mashiach? You're an academic person. I thought you are more advanced than these primitive religious guys. You really believe there's going to be such thing, Mashiach, Messiah? Hamordim, those who rebel, who machtia rabim, influence the public to, to commit sins. DJs, girls that dress not modest on the street. Aporshim idachet tzibur, they don't want to be a part of the Jewish group. They isolate themselves. Why you don't come to shul? I don't like to be affiliated with the community. Why you don't come to Sameach Hatan Vekala? It's not my style. Everything they want to be isolated. Commit sins with no shame in public, such as Mechalel Shabbat, walking in the street with a phone, cigarettes, driving a car. Right there, 80% of our nation falling right here. Unfortunately. Right? Murderers. And now the Rambam gives a whole list who is considered minim, who is apikorsim. One of the things apikorsim is someone who disrespects Talmid Chacham. Speak harsh to him. Speak with no respect, writes Lashonara about him, ruin his character, tell people don't go listen to him, make fun at him. You know, I, t I tell you a story. One person called me up. He told me on Purim, I imitated a Rebbe in my yeshiva. It's a young boy, poor guy. Young boy. He said, I imitated a Rebbe in my yeshiva in a Purim custom, and that Rebbe stuttered a little bit when he speaks. So in a Purim show, you know, everyone drinks wine, and I imitated him. That day I became stuttering. Until today I stutter. It was perfectly normal speech. The day. I was in Englewood, New Jersey. I went there for Minchai and Arvit one time. My friend saw me there. Saying, so you're not going to believe what happened. 
He said, there's a guy from Israel who came here a year ago, two years ago. He told me I need to raise $150,000. I asked him why. Help me out, please. You speak Hebrew, take me out to reach people here in Englewood. I said, why? He said, I had a girl and she's deaf. I need to raise $150,000 for surgery. You know, people have good heart. You come, 1,000, 500, 2,000, 5,000. He collected 150,000 from all the people there. They want to help him that the, the girl won't be deaf. Yet at that time, he wasn't even married. He doesn't have kids, nothing. It was, it was all a scam. Two years later, he got married a year later. And two years later, he had a girl and she was born deaf. For real this time. Now he cannot go and say, I have a girl deaf, give me money. People will say, what, another girl deaf? Look what Hashem did to him. Look how much problems we bring to our life. Crazy. What can I tell you? Now we have, like I said, tomorrow we're going to come, call Nidre, take out the Sefer Torah, canceling all the vows. Tomorrow morning, most places play Slichot already for something in the morning. From here I go directly to the shul. Don't even go to sleep tonight. And after that, there's Shachrit and Atarat Nedarim. And Mincha, it's going to be early tomorrow. Long Mincha with the confession in the end. Don't forget, we don't wear leather shoes tomorrow. Tomorrow night we pray with Talit. We, make, we put the Talit with Bracha before sunset. And it's long davening, because it's Arvit, there's also Mizmorim, and then the Slichot after that. We, Netilat Yadayim after the bathroom is only the fingers, not the whole hands. And you're not allowed to put creams on the body, no intimacy allowed, no eating, no drinking, no leather shoes. And basically, Thursday morning, all day is davening. Shachrit, slichot. Musaf, slichot. Mincha, slichot. Neila, slichot. Most places it's straight from 7.30 in the morning until 8.30 at night. We, I do Yom Kippur for 15 years already in Englewood. By my friend, he has a big house. Anyone wants to join me is still welcome. Uh, we daven nets on Thursday morning. We're going to start five something in the morning. Then, because we start two, two, two and a half hours before all the synagogues, then we have two and a half hours break. We have a break. That break can give us a little bit rest that we can go into Mincha and, Arvi and uh, Neila fresh, like the Yom Kippur just started. So we come like very recharged, which is very good. Then I give their shiur on the night and I give shiur after, after Musaf. But the whole day is not to talk and not to joke. It's a day of tshuva. It's the most precious day of the year. The Gemara says, It's very good. It's a special good day, a bargain day. Day that you can delete most of the things from your file. If you do the proper tshuva, do everything you can to cry in the last hour. Neila, the most important hour of the year. That will be between 6 and 
on Thursday. The most, they follow later by a sh the final shofar and that's it. It's over. Preparation for Sukkot will begin right after. But you should know, you should take advantage on Yom Kippur. Don't be like those fools who come Thursday night to the shul to hear shofar. The shofar was Rosh Hashanah, not Kippur. This shofar is not the Torah. The shofar of Rosh Hashanah was the mitzvah of Rosh Hashanah. This shofar, just in the end of Yom Kippur, what, you, what is going to help you to come hear shofar if you didn't do tshuva and pray all day? The most important thing is to be in a synagogue, even the women, if they have, they have enough room, all day to be there. They can come, they pray at home, and they read Tehillim the rest of the time. And Bezrat Hashem, we hope, we know, you know the way the world is. It's going to be a disaster here. It's also Shnat Shemitah. It's going to be a lot of terrible things going on between the Corona and between the United States and between the Muslims and between the Palestinians now in Israel who prepare another intifada now as we speak. Who knows what's going to be this year? Look just how many buildings collapse. One in Florida, one in Israel. There was another one before. Collapse after collapse. Shem making buildings collapse. There's messages here. It's showing it's midat adin right now. We cannot be sleeping. On Mincha of Yom Kippur, we're gonna read Maftir Yonah, the story of Yonah ben Amitai, Yonah the prophet, John. There's a reason why we read it over there, to show you the power of tshuva. That even the Goim, the people of Nineveh, that Yonah warned them that Hashem will destroy all of them got them all to do tshuva in one minute. All the goyim did tshuva in one minute. You know why? Because of fear. Yonah said, Hashem will wipe all of you out in 40 days. Jewish prophet came to Syria. Syria, past Syria, Nineveh. Told him, you have 40 days to do tshuva, Hashem send me over here. If not, you all be dead. They started to fast every day, cry, war a sack. Even they made their animals fast, the goyim. And Hashem canceled their decree. So if by this wicked goyim that did tshuva, it helped by us, needless to say, the children of Hashem. That's why we read it in Yom Kippur, in Ravad de Ravi, in the most important hour. Bezrat Hashem, I wish each one of you gmar chatima tova. And again, mechilat all the people, sometimes in the heat of the moment, you say things. People get angry, like this couple who left, you know, they probably didn't like something I said about the shita of Kiruv. But that's the way it is. You have to say the truth. You cannot be afraid what people get upset. Today, if you read a verse from the Torah, people get upset. If you speak about gays and you read that the Torah said that it's stoning and, and, and cut for the soul, half of Israel wants to kill you. For reading a verse in the Torah, the Israeli police come to pay you a visit. Why did you write on your page that uh, it's death penalty for gays? I know, I wrote, Hashem wrote. I only, I only copy from the Torah. You're not putting me on trial. You're putting God and the Torah on trial. That's what they do. So you, can, you can really, you have to be careful not to say certain things today. Because if you read a verse from the Torah and they don't like it, this reform, right away you become their enemy. But we should never fear anyone. Always speak the truth. Don't be impressed by anyone. Not when they compliment you and not when they bark against you. You know you would Hashem, you stick to the truth. And like they say in Israel, Tzorchek Mish Tzorchek Acharon. 
It doesn't matter who laughs right now. It matters who will be laughing in the end, would laugh forever. Right now, you can laugh, tomorrow you cry, it's temporary. In the end, when we leave the world, we'll be able to laugh, or God forbid, to cry for eternity. That's what we say every, when we pray. There will be a time that our mouth will be full of joy and will be dancing from happiness. But until then, we got to deal with all these challenges. Bezrat Hashem, Shana Tova to everyone, Baruch Adonai Leolam. Amen, Amen. Rabbi Hanania Ben Akashia Omer.